2: Welcome to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I'm Doug Hagman at the, at the helm with fellow investigator, researcher, and most importantly, my son, Joe Hagman. Together we are the Hagman and Hagman Report. Eric the Tech is over there laughing, saying, can you even talk tonight? Well, folks, we've got a tremendous show for you planned this evening. Um, our very special guest is a presidential candidate. Now, you may or may not have ever heard of Mister Tom Hoefling. He's he's uh he's in the running. He will be on the all of the ballots, and, and he is a viable presidential candidate. You know, it's interesting the right-left paradigm. It, you know, it's interesting how we are programmed, ladies and gentlemen, to believe that only certain people, perhaps royalty, can can be coronated. You know, as president, that we don't yeah. have a choice beyond the, oh, beyond the Hillary's or the Bushes or the Clinton's or, well, that's a Hillary, I guess. Or you see, the choice is there. You, you know.
3: can be on the ballot. You right. just don't get the news
2: coverage or any of the publicity. Well, right. But, you know, it's one thing I've heard over the last several months. Uh, really, even going back to 2012 is, my goodness, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative Christian, and we have to vote for the lesser of two evils, or we have to accept but we see here's folks remember all of the talk about uh the programming the tavistockian mentality that we can't fight cd hall that we we have to conform to a certain model or paradigm or, or some sort of uh, of uh, you know that that anyone outside of a certain group of select individuals impossible well We're here to tell you that if you are a Christian conservative listening tonight, there is absolutely no reason for you to sit out and say, there's nobody that represents the Christian conservative or Christian values. No, not no, no. See, we've all been gamed, we've all been lied to, we've all been pressured and pressed into this mindset that not only can't we fight city hall but there's no one out there that 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 represents my interests as a conservative evangelical christian and or a constitutionalist take the steps to fight city hall you're
3: going to face resistance whether from well your uh local bureaucrats or police uh, departments or local non-governmental organizations, whether the Freedom From Religious Foundation to the ACLU, um, they're out there, the SPLC, and they are salivating, waiting
2: for people to step out of line. Well, yes, yes, but even aside from that, you've got this this mindset that's erroneous that we've been, that our parents drilled into us, even me at my young age of well, look at me. I'm just a young guy. All right? So. um 41, maybe. Oh, here. hey, uh, not a day past uh, 39 several times, but uh, numerous times. But, but, but you know, he, here's the thing. We've been programmed. It's got to be either Trump or it's got to be Clinton. Or it, it's got to be the establishment or the fringe mm-hmm. establishment or or it's going to be the people that Fox or MSNBC or CNN say these are the people these are the candidates and
3: it could be a candidate but they still could be fringe even though they're the GOP candidate according to Fox because they're not their actual choice of candidate.
2: Yeah, and and you know of course if you suggest and this is kind of a long introduction but I think it's necessary because a lot of people have listened to this program and I've gotten so many emails saying, "Well, there's just nobody out there." And, and of course, you know, uh, for example, Mike Huckabee, um, yeah, you know, he's not in the race or, or what. You know, well, so we're stuck. No, you're not stuck. And we're here to tell you tonight that if you are a conservative Christian, a constitutionalist, someone who believes in the value or in the importance of voting your evangelical ideology or voting in terms of your constitution, um, your constitutional, um, uh, uh, you know, wanting to, uh, to to adhere to the constitution. And if you believe that the constitution is the law of the land, not some perverted nine um, black terrorist robed judges who want to redefine morality, then then listen to the program as it unfolds, because you are going to be very pleasantly surprised before we get into the programming programming tonight ladies and gentlemen i do want to uh make a couple of quick announcements i want to i want to really pound this home uh folks our websites hagman and hagman.com and i want to thank jd tonight for uh picking up the uh the uh uh posting tonight's show on that website. That's uh, our job here at the studio. And things got a little bit crazy for the last couple of hours. And, but thank you, J.D. He's done it, doing such a wonderful job. Rhonda, thank you so much for all you do. But Hagman and Hagman.com, that's the show website, HagmanReport.com. News, articles, information, analyses, which i've been told that's the plural for analysis there you can find it so bookmark hagman and com and hagmanreport.com two separate entities uh, working parallel but offering different different uh parts of the same uh mechanism and of course my my doug hagman my little uh uh, portion of the internet is homelandsecurityus.com and, and folks, you know the story of that. We After 9-11 that that's, it was started, we interfaced with government agencies until we started infiltrating uh, terrorist groups and kept bumping into CIA assets all and FBI assets all over the place and bumping heads and turning over information that was never uh, or hardly ever dealt with. But that's homelandsecurityus.com. So three websites right now. And later on in the week, we were going to be talking about the Christian marketplace. It, folks. JD's done some great things with yes, like that. Yes, yes. And let me tell you something. It's the time has come. Those people who have, who believed in us in the very beginning when this was just a nugget of an idea, just a, a, an idea that, that was formulating and, and people said you know what this sounds really good so we're going to sign on a message to you i you're going to be hearing from me because you believed in us when we were just the, the 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 caterpillar you know and now it's going to turn into a butterfly and i will say that everyone who has believed in us i want to say thank you and uh that's going to be making some great headway great news and that's the Christian Marketplace but everything everything is available off of Hagman and Hagman dot com that's Hagman and Hagman dot com including watching the show via our official YouTube channel one more announcement there folks help us out we want to get to 100,000 subscribers we could do that really falling off our chair uh, I will say that there's been some hanky-panky with the numbers, Mm -hmm. okay? And, And, you know, say what you will, believe what you might, but the fact is it's a different world out there than it was six months ago or a year ago, a much different world. Now, the other thing, and I'm so proud to, uh, to mention this portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by nuts.com. Some people believe we're nuts. Some people know we're nuts. Some people just call us nuts. But one thing we are, we are happy nuts.com customers. I just got my order in of, uh, the, uh, uh dried fruit. The oh my goodness! I was I ate the entire did bag. you have Oh, I ate it. I it it, it it did not last in the studio more than ten minutes. Um, but uh, nuts.com, they are uh, what a great website, folks. This is a family-owned business since 1929, and they offer some of the well, not some. They offer. Uh, thousands upon thousands of selections at nuts dot com. Some of the best tasting nuts. Yep, a lot snacks. more than nuts. Oh my goodness! Coffee snacks. Yes. Uh, yes. All kinds
3: of different flavor type. Uh, um, you know, with the, the yogurt pretzels.
2: Oh
3: <laughs> man. <laughs> yes, uh, those. Uh, I mean, they have a wide variety of of uh, healthy snacks, and they have the Hagman and Hagman listeners in mind offering
2: specials yes and as a matter of fact what you need to do folks um, is is really simple go to nuts.com in the microphone box our code what is it HH right of course it is See, I had to test everyone. So go to nuts.com, microphone code HH, order your snacks, your nuts today. More on that later. I do have an an announcement. Um, Yes. Just an announcement, too, uh, and then we'll
3: get to our guests, and I'll do the whole announcement later. But the live stream link for Hear the Watchman Conference is available. If you use the promo code HH, uh, that'll let them know where you heard about this from, but we'll get into that more. I don't want to delay our guest anymore tonight as he is a presidential candidate. And, um, I want to thank Greg Jackson for, uh, setting this up. Um,
2: Dan, I'll let you do yeah, the be introduction well,
3: because you, uh,
2: wrote this and inter- you wrote the description here. Right. Uh, t- Tom, uh, Tom Hoefling is a, is a viable presidential candidate he's a statesman his website is tomhoefling.com. but and, and the spell that h uh, o e f l i n g yeah. folks go to hagmanandhagman.com, and you can see the the article that links to tonight's program also under the youtube description in the youtube description there are links to his website and that's the, right information and, and go to his website take a look at the platform on which he is running and understand Folks, I guess the most important thing, and we're going to let Mr. Hoefling, uh, uh discuss the rest, but the, what's the most important thing to understand is do not believe the mainstream corporate captured mass media when they say, well, it's uh, the only viable candidates are uh, Trump, uh, Cruz, Rubio, uh, Hillary or Sanders or whatever. No, no, you've got choices. And as a Christian, you've got not just choices, but you have got an obligation an yep. obligation an obligation an obligation just want to tell you on your note your wifi
3: is off, that's why you can't connect to the internet of course it is and with that, let's bring on Mr. Tom Hofling. Tom, it is great to meet you it is a pleasure to have you on the Hagman and Hagman Report thank you so much for coming on
0: Joe, uh, Doug, thank you so much for having me tonight I really appreciate it
2: well, it, the, the pleasure is ours and uh, folks, just to give you a little bit of uh, background on this, uh, we, we, and I've said this before, um, the uh, there are other candidates. We had, had Ron have, Paul in
3: 08. Well... I mean, he was a, a, a candidate that was an option aside from the mainstream candidates. Right. But... Was, Perot in 91.
2: Yeah, right now, for 2016, there are other candidates, including but not limited to, limited to Donald Trump, who um, have expressed interest and in, are trying to come on our program. It's just a scheduling issue. Now, having said that, um, the, reason I'm, the reason I mentioned that is because uh, that might be like, oh, that's instant name recognition, but so what? See, the candidates, the way I look at things is um, – the way well the, the back let me just go backwards and say this i was introduced to mr tom Hoefling by greg jackson gregjackson.com the author and of course speaker former talk show host and he said you've got to you've got to meet mr Hoefling and you've got to talk with him and you got to understand what he represents and yes he is a viable candidate so i spoke with him yesterday out there for some time and he explained to me pretty much the the system, the the, the 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 workings of the political system in America. And folks, my eyes were opened because I did not realize, not just the depth and breadth of the programming and uh, propaganda, but the fact of the matter is that we have this choice of candidates. And uh, don't be fooled, uh, Mr. Tom Hoefling, as a statesman, as a constitutionalist, as a conservative Christian is someone who I would love to see in the White House. Um, Mr. Hoefling, uh, uh, l- let's just start. Uh, who is Tom Hopefully, sir?
0: Well, I'm a, a Christian. That's the first thing, of course. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Uh, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father of nine and a grandfather to three. Uh, I'm just somebody who back in about 25 years ago, became very concerned about my country. Uh, I was a homeschool dad uh, who was beginning to learn the hard lessons about how uh, the state was going to interfere with my parental rights and my parental responsibilities, and I decided I better start to involve myself in the political process. Um, the rise of the Clintons in the early 90s particularly spurred me into the political realm uh here we had a man who would stand up and well he would carry around a big bible he would quote scriptures but of course he would quote the first half of a scripture and then he would make a new second half of the verse up out of whole cloth something that was self-aggrandizing um, so that you know uh, of course i began i began to become aware of the the Holocaust of abortion has, has been going on in our country for decades. Uh, and so, you know, I just kind of stepped in and began to familiarize myself with the political process, and one thing led to another. And, you know, 25 years later, battle after battle after battle, and all of that time, here, here we are. Um, the country is still uh, in dire shape. Uh, continuing to get worse. I think most people understand that now. Uh, You know, you were talking about elections, Doug. Look, people forget uh, the Soviet Union had elections. Uh, Was it Stalin or Lenin? I can't remember which one of them famously, infamously said it isn't who votes that counts, it's who counts the votes. Uh, our, Our political system, sadly, has been captured by the money people, by the uh, media people, by the party political hacks. Uh, we're supposed to have a form of representative constitutional self-government. Uh, we're supposed to have government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that's not the case anymore. I mean, you've been watching the Republican process like all of us, I'm sure. Uh, what did it start out? They said there were 17 candidates, I believe, in the Republican field. Well, most people don't know. There were hundreds of people running in the Republican Party for president. Hundreds. I don't know how many hundreds. I, I haven't checked for a long time. I know it was over 250. But you never hear heard about the others. All you heard know. about were the 16, 17 candidates that... The party and the media and the money people said that you had to consider. That was it. And that's the only names they ever polled. Then they set up the debate, so, you know, you had to have poll numbers to be in the debate. Uh, You can't get poll numbers if they don't poll your name.
3: Then they had the the first-tier and second-tier debate, uh, too, which, you know... Uh, putting people in categories of, you know, you're going to be in the exclusive debate whether you're going to be in the, the second-tier debate. Um, I thought that was very disingenuous and, and was surprised that they did that. But you're right, only those names that were in the actual televised national debates were the names given to the people as uh, choices.
0: You know, back in 2000, I and actually 1996, I met my friend, Dr. Alan Keyes, Uh, In 2000, I became very involved in his presidential campaign, and I was his national political director for some time. So I I became very intimate with the presidential selection process. However, by 2008, uh, the process had become totally corrupted. Uh, We tried to run Alan Keyes again in 2008 in the Republican Party, and they blackballed him. They just plain blackballed him. In fact, uh, here in Iowa, in the 2008 Iowa caucuses, They didn't even count Alan Keyes' votes. So this was one of the things that ushered us out the door of the GOP then. Uh, Their nomination of the guy that I happen to call John Judas McCain kind of sealed the deal. Um, You know, sadly, the GOP has become a a culture of compromise. Uh, No matter... How much good rhetoric you might hear in the primary process, whatever, they're always running you through the chutes, running you through the chutes, just like sheep on the way to the slaughter, until at the end, you're going to be asked to give up all of the principles that you say you believe in, and it's happening again in this election cycle.
1: Absolutely. So what
0: we need, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to point out what's wrong, uh, but... I believe if you're going to do that, you need to say, well, what can we do about it? Uh, What we need is we need to start at the bottom as Christians, and we need to build a culture of political principle with accountability. And so that's what we've been trying to do for a number of years, is to raise up leaders, new leaders from the bottom up, uh, people who have a proven understanding of the core principles of the country and, you know, have a track record of actually standing without compromise for those principles. So I, I hope tonight there's two main things that I would love to talk to you guys about. One is the return to principle that must occur if we're going to have any chance of delivering a free country to our children and our grandchildren. And the other side is the process, what we have to do to reclaim this process and take our, our country back.
2: Okay. Okay and yeah and and you know I, I i believe that 2016 marks a crossroads a very important crossroads so yes we are interested in in those two um aspects in which you want you know in which you want to talk about and uh let's get it started because i really believe uh tom that you've got a lot to offer i believe that you you are a viable candidate. And when I say that, I mean uh, we can make a difference. Every person listening tonight, the Christian now the Christian conservatives are speaking to you, you can make a difference. And Tom is going to tell you exactly how you and can make that difference. If we can open with a question, Tom, I'd like to ask you, affecting the most
3: change politically, is this done locally, on a state level, or nationally?
0: Well, I always tell people, if you you really think you're going to clean up Washington while ignoring, you know, cleaning up your own house and cleaning up the politics of your own community and cleaning up our state capitals, uh, there are a lot of people who want to send power back to the states, and I do too, where that's legitimate. But the fact is our state capitals are corrupt just like Washington is corrupt now. It's just a question of scale. So, you know, it's got to start from the bottom up. Uh, you've got to educate yourself. You've got to stop compromising the things that should be negotiable, non-negotiable for Christians. Uh, it's got to start with you. Uh, you know, Doug said, I'm viable. Well, I am viable if the Christians will step up. Uh, we've constructed a campaign that is completely reliant on Christians uh, stepping up and doing the right thing uh, you know most people they look at the situation they say oh it's too late uh, you can't run you can't get on ballots no they don't know anything about our electoral system and our 50 state election process if they say that there's plenty of time <clears throat> all we lack is the the people to get out and do a few simple things uh, in order to fulfill their civic responsibilities Uh, This can be done. Uh, As we go along, I'll tell you a little bit about the last two election cycles and how we managed to get ballot access and uh, let your listeners kind of get a little better understanding of how this process works. And I hope when we're done, they'll understand. uh, We do have the ability uh, to take the country back. Uh, So far, all we've lacked uh, as as the body of Christ is the will to do so and the understanding.
2: Okay. And one of the questions I, I, when I was talking with an individual who watches our program, and listens to our program, uh, we had a brief conversation today, and, and uh, he said, "Well, okay, who, who are you having on tonight?" And I, and I told him, and he said, "Well, what makes you think that uh, that uh, uh, this gentleman, meaning you, even has a shot at the White House?" I mean how can how can Tom hopefully um uh, you know ha- have a shot at winning the white house or even making a dent and i said you know from what uh, from what i learned from our off air conversation yesterday it's not a difficult process or not a complicated uh, well it's not a difficult process um, I, I guess it's it's one that has been made difficult through the brainwashing and programming uh, of the citizens. I I kind of think that to be the case, and and the more educated we can we can make our our listeners, the more that they can believe that they can change the uh, or make a change, and that is so. Perhaps before we even get started, um, I guess if you know, how would you respond to someone? looking at you and, you know, and you saying, yeah, I, I am, I am the candidate for the office of the president of the United States in 2016 and having that person say, yeah, right. I mean, what is your response to that? How do you overcome that, that, uh, uh, mental, uh, uh hurdle of saying, oh, you'll never get it. I mean, you know, how, well, can that, how you know, how do you do that?
0: Well, I, I think you just kind of have to be blunt with people. You you kind of got to show them very quickly that they're the problem, okay? <laughs> I'm not the problem. The process isn't the problem. Their way of thinking is the problem. Uh, invariably, when I get done talking to groups of Christian folks, invariably, almost 100% of them say, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about the principles. You're absolutely right uh, on the public policies that we need. Uh, You've laid out the definitive conservative position for us. And then they say that awful word. They say, but. (laughs) But. And then they go into the kind of stuff you just described with your friend. And, you know, what you have to get them to realize is, look, still in this country you know they've been surveying you know, polls can be manipulated whatever but sometimes some survey information has some usefulness for understanding things uh... i think the pollsters still say that about seventy percent of the american people still lay claim they self-identify as christians now most mature christians understand that uh, that's probably not accurate uh... in other words Uh, 70% of the American people probably aren't really Christians, but they may just have that name. You know, the kind of people you ask them, you know, how long have you been a Christian? And they tell you, oh, all my life, you know, since I was born, right? They don't really understand. Uh, But if even one-third, one-third of that 70% would stand up, you know, begin to understand the principles that this country was founded on, which were godly principles, uh, if they would, you know, decide, okay, I'm not going to compromise these things any longer for any politician or any political party ever. If even a third of that 70% would do that, uh, the Christians in this country would be an unstoppable political force. So, Absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's what we need to make them understand. Uh, on the website, not too far down the front page on TomHofling.com, uh, one of my supporters sent me a little graphic yesterday or the day before. I can't remember which. Uh, and it's a little graphic of a circle and circular reasoning. In the middle, it's got Hoefling 2016. Now on the one side, it says he can't win, and then you go up to the top, and the other side... Uh, Because I won't vote for them. And it just, they don't realize. They're just, they're using circular logic. Uh, and, and they've just kind of got them trapped on what I call the Republican hamster wheel. They're just going round and round, hoping at some point, maybe, 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 the Republican Party will give them some kind of little piece of cheese or something. Of course, they never do. But, you know, they maintain this hope. That's right. uh, I mean, how many, how many Christians do you know who don't understand at this point that they've been completely betrayed by the Republican Party? Uh, how many don't understand at this point that they have no intention of stopping this abortion holocaust? I mean, how many decades uh, is it going to take before you understand that their strategy is flawed, it's immoral, it's unconstitutional, and it's, it's not working? Uh, most people understand they're not going to lift a finger to protect uh, God's institution of marriage. Uh, They understand that they're not going to rein in these judges, that they've all become a bunch of judicial supremacists who who think that we live in a judicial oligarchy instead of the uh, constitutional republic that was handed to us, a great sacrifice, a great price by our forefathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people understand this, even down to budget items, taxes. Uh, pretty much everybody just assumes in Washington, the Republicans are going to betray you. That's and right. so, uh, you know, it's kind of like the abused spouse. And how many beatings you have to take before you realize this guy isn't going to change?
3: You're right. And sadly, yeah. most Americans are going to take severe Beatings, if not, you know, we we often say that people don't realize how bad things are until the the boot of the police or military knocked down your door.
2: And, and, and just just to be clear with our listeners right now, you know, Tom Hoefling is is no, um, uh, he, he's I mean he's very familiar with the process. In two thousand and eight. Tom Hoefling uh, founded America's Party. This is a long-term project designed to rebuild the uh, rebuild principled government of the people by the people and for the people, without regard to political affiliation or political party affiliation. And he served as the Republican or as Republican as the party's national chairman. And then uh, four years later. Uh, America's Party in convention nominated Tom hopefully to be its standard bearer for the office of the President of the United States, and Tom was later unanimously nominated for President by the State Convention of American Independent Party of California, and and, and there he garnered more than forty thousand votes in November, in in that general election again, twenty twelve, placing. Eighth in the popular vote nationally, according to the FEC. Alright, and if write-in, had, write-in votes had been counted uh, in many of the states, he would have placed considerably higher. And then moving forward in uh, December, on December tw- uh, 2nd, 2013 uh Tom uh, hopefully announced his intention is to seek the twenty fourteen Republican nomination for Iowa governor and and you know what folks he he went on to to receive more than twenty six thousand votes in the uh june twenty four uh twenty fourteen primary. And he was up against the longest-serving governor in American history, uh, but but since then he's continued his national, state, and local efforts by strongly urging fellow citizens to return to the moral and constitutional basis of American liberty and self-government. The bottom line is, Steve Quayle always says, "Look, there is no political solution, or uh, yeah, political solutions to spiritual problems." Well, uh, Tom Hoefling brings that uh those uh, uh spiritual solutions to his platform so that's who we're talking with tonight his website is tomhoefling.com, dot com linked off of hagman and Hagman.com. dot com all right um so there i mean that gives people a, a good clear understanding that you're no slouch in really getting getting uh, rallying the, the 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 people uh behind you and you've got some you've got some uh, a good track record here so,
0: well, I, I really want to give attention to the spiritual part, the moral part, uh, the principal part. But I, I do want to add to what you just said, Doug. Uh, uh, the 2012 effort, uh, we did that without any money at all. In fact, mm. we intentionally set out to do that without any money. Uh, we didn't raise or expend one nickel. Uh, what we've done is we've returned to the old American uh... process of electing presidents uh... william mckinley got elected president over a century ago and he never left his front porch and he never spent one dime uh... so at one time it was considered uncouth for presidential candidates to campaign for themselves and so they just sit on their front porch, and their supporters would go out and be campaign managers and run their campaign. Uh They would put together delegations to get on the train and ride to, out to Ohio and sit on the front porch with William McKinley and uh other candidates through history and, and just speak with them. And reporters would come with their little notepads and, and interview them right there on the porch. Well, <clears throat> what we're doing is... You know, you don't have to get on a train. You don't have to get on a plane or a bus or an automobile and come and trample down my vegetable garden or bother my dog or my kids, okay? We've got the technology. Uh, you know, we have conference calls. In fact, we've got another one tonight. We've been doing them for eight and a half years, pre-conference lines. We just get people on the phone together twice a week. And we spend a couple hours talking through the, the news, talking through principle, talking through everything that's on people's hearts and minds and, and talking these things out. So we don't, we don't need, uh, the money. Uh, you know, the, the men who won our independence from Great Britain and, and secured our liberty, they did that in terms of communications with handwritten letters, uh, delivered by men on horseback uh, right. you know, uh, crude printing presses, printing out broadsides or what we would call flyers today. Uh, that's how they did it. We've got cell phones, we've got Internet connections, we've got computers, free email, free conferencing, free web video, free web radio, and a long list of ways to co- communicate with each other. Uh, I've I just been telling people for a long time, look, if we won't use these, Resources that we have at our fingertips uh, to save our country, it's not because we can't at this point. It's because we lack the will to do it.
3: Indeed. Yeah. I used to have the defeatist attitude that you mentioned at the beginning of the show where I once thought there was no hope and things were lost and there was nothing that we could do to salvage the republic that once was. <clears throat> and um, through the counseling of of Different guests and whatnot, and, and studying Scripture, uh, I learned that I was very wrong, and that we have to continue, not only to uh, have a good attitude about it, but continue to work and toward the goal of changing things for the better,
2: no matter how bleak the situation looks. And, and one more thing, you had mentioned the uh, the uh, summit, the national town hall, folks. If you go to Tom. TomHoffling.com, his website. Again, you can you can be found right on Hagman Hagman in the description there or at the YouTube description. Very simply, you could take part of that tonight. Uh, Mr. Hoeffling going to be a very busy guy entertaining a lot of questions. Folks, it's right there. Go to TomHoffling.com. Uh, Click on the front porch there. Read about the ability for you to... Ask them questions, of one-on-one. Um, uh, the numbers there, along with the passcode, and all of goodwill are welcome. So I just want to put that out there. So Tom, l- l- let's let's take it. where l- l- help us out here. Where do you want to start? Where should we start? We're going to give you the floor to the extent that you know you, you, you know you want it. You've got your platform listed, but let's start how you want to. As, you know, well, uh,
0: yeah. go ahead, Doug. I, I want to move back off the process stuff for a while. I mean, I mean, it is important, and we should talk more about that. But I, I want to go back to the most important thing: the, the reason the country is dying uh, is because of a departure from truth uh, principle. Uh, this country was founded on a uh, on an understanding of the Bible by our founders. Uh, an understanding of natural law. Uh, this is the ground that our republic was built upon was that understanding. Uh, of course, those natural law moral principles were f- expressed in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Uh, of course, that starts with the right to life, liberty, property. Okay. So they understood that. They didn't quibble about it. They didn't debate about it. They simply asserted it as self evident truth. Uh, to put it in the modern vernacular, these things are as plain as the nose on your face. Okay. These are the things that are obvious to any reasonable, honest person that our rights come from God, not from any man. Okay. So those rights are unalienable. Not only can you not Have them legitimately stripped away from you as an individual person but you can't even legitimately give them away because they they actually these gifts belong to God this is the founding principle this is the cornerstone of our country's civic life our claim to uh, liberty our claim to uh, be a self-governing people so Christians need to get back to that principle that our rights come from God so it, it, when you look around and you see anything uh, in our government that is violating the laws of nature and nature's God, as the founders termed it, then those laws, those public policies, they are illegitimate. When the Supreme Court says it's okay to kill little babies, that is that that is an illicit opinion. That is not the law. It's it's a violation of God's law, it's a violation of the laws of nature, it's a violation of the principles of the Declaration of Independence, our national charter. Uh, abortion violates every single clause of the stated purposes of the U.S. Constitution, which is the supreme law of our land. And abortion also violates the explicit imperative requirements of the 5th and the 14th amendments. Plus. The equal protection and due process requirements of all of our state constitutions. So Mm. Christians have to come to this understanding, and they got to get it through their heads. Without this principle, we got nothing. As long as we're allowing them to continue to slaughter thousands of babies in this country, this country is doomed. God is going to judge us. Okay. He always judges shedding of of blood.
3: Sure. I apologize for interrupting. Maybe you have some clarity on this. We we live in a society today where, uh, you know, the Department of Homeland Security has the see-something-say-something initiatives. They're saying, you know, basically all Americans and their beliefs are extremist beliefs. And at the same time, we have the Center for Medical Progress documenting and uh, publicly releasing evidence against Planned Parenthood about the murder uh, that they commit against uh, babies and the selling of body parts and fetal tissue yet they are the ones that are not only persecuted in the media but prosecuted in the courts how can a a Christian uh, fight a system that is determined not to uh, get to the truth of the matter but to punish those who wish to produce the truth
1: well, the
0: first thing I would say, Joe, is they must be challenged and they must be fought at every level. Uh, look, uh, this all comes down to two things. The oath of office and the character of the people taking that oath, okay? We're supposed to have a system of checks and balances. So when you see uh, public officials becoming tyrants, such as the situation you're describing. At that point, if you have public officials, whether they're judges or legislators or presidents or governors, it doesn't matter. If they are getting outside of their sworn duties and beginning to do illegitimate things, tyrannical things, it is incumbent on the rest of the people who have taken their oath of office to fight them with all of the power of their offices. See this is what we've lost. We have a generation now of politicians who think that the oath of office <laughs> excuse me is nothing more than a formality. It's another photo op. Okay, it shouldn't be. So uh, this is the problem. And this is why we have to begin, we have to get back to principle. We have to stop compromising them for any politician And we've got to start making the demand that they follow their oath. If they don't do it, throw them out. That's what we have to do. We have to. This isn't optional. If we don't do this, this country will not survive. Uh, These wonderful blessings of liberty that were handed to us by 10, 12, 14 generations of those who went before us will be squandered for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. They will be gone. They're almost gone now. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have time here. We we have to begin to deal with this, and we have to get back to the fundamentals and quit compromising. So, you know, those people down there, they need to be fought. The state officials should be reining them in.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, look, can't. this is going on in Texas, right? Right. Okay. Right. Texas, Texas is completely dominated by the Republican Party. The Republican Party, uh, for years, has enjoyed every single statewide executive office, okay? They've enjoyed super majorities in their state legislature. They elect judges in Texas. The judges in Texas are overwhelmingly Republican. But guess what? They're still killing babies in Texas. They're starting to marry homosexuals, quote-unquote, marry, Okay, right. uh, you know <laughs> what is wrong with this picture? People don't it says- realize it was it was bad legislating in Texas that led to Roe v. Wade. They treated unborn babies differently in the Texas code before 1973 than they did other persons, and when Roe v. Wade went its way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court looked at it and said, you don't treat them like persons, so we're not going to either. Since then, the Texas Code has been loaded up by pro-life legislators and governors with code sections that, on the one hand, recognize the personhood of the unborn child, and then in the next paragraph, lays out explicit governmental permission to kill those babies, as long as they're killed on schedule or by the rules.
3: Is that like okay, if so they, you shoot a pregnant woman, you would get charged with the double murder if the fetus and the woman dies? But if you go through a uh, medical procedure to terminate your baby, it is legal.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. It's
0: it, the the strategy, and this is, what I'm going to say is going to be shocking to a lot of your listeners. But the whole strategy of the pro life movement for the past four decades is a utilitarian strategy is not a christian strategy a moral strategy a constitutional strategy or a decent legal strategy it's utilitarian in nature and all it's done is load up our state codes and the u.s code with permission to kill babies it's codified that into our laws so we've got to start finding new leaders who understand this and will stop doing that and realizing that their oath requires them to provide equal protection and due process for every person in this country, and that includes little unborn persons
2: as your platform states you know it and and folks you can find his platform on his website but re- restore governmental protection for the equal right of all innocent persons including unborn persons to live and, and you know and I, I know you've spoken to greg jackson and greg jackson has been on our program since we're on the topic of the murdering of the unborn um why is it i mean well i it's sad that we're looking at a supreme court opinion as the law of the land isn't that we've been really thoroughly brainwashed that we have to accept Mm -hmm. this as the law of the land it's not it's an opinion by the supreme court in any opinion that's in uh, contrast, or in opposition to biblical principles, or the Constitution is no law at all, right? I mean, this is plain and simple, but people have been brainwashed over the, the, this. The,
0: the, this. judicial supremacist lie is, is, it's a coup d'etat. This idea uh, that somehow the courts are the supreme law of the land, their opinions are the supreme law of our land, the, uh, the idea that courts can make our laws the idea that the courts have a ve- the veto power, that's not in the Constitution. The only thing the courts are empowered to do legitimately is to decide the cases that come before them, and only according to the Constitution and all constitutional laws that the legislative branch has passed and the executives have signed into law. That is their, That's the extent of their legitimate power uh... so this idea that the courts rule rule over us is destroying the country uh... let me give you the most vivid example of our generation uh... what's it been now twelve years ago down in florida uh... they tortured to death terry Shibo. right they tortured her to death they dehydrated her to death i was there i was asked to come down and help deal with the press jackals, help the Schindler family deal with the press jackals. I went down there. I saw that whole thing unfold. And look, that all started with uh, uh, an alleged husband who wanted to kill her. And a tin pot probate judge, part of the Bush network down in Florida, Republican, signed uh, a virtual death warrant for this innocent woman. He, he didn't say, you can go ahead and kill her. He said, you must go ahead and dehydrate her to death. Now, that's one thing, to have a judge do that. But how did the other officials who were supposed to check someone like this down in Florida, what did they do? What did the Florida court do? Nothing. What did the uh, Attorney General in Florida, Charlie Chris, do? He hid under his desk. Couldn't find the guy. What did the, the Governor, Jeb Bush, do? He went out in front of the cameras and said, Oh, I wish somebody would show me how I can save her. So we went down there, and our friend Alan Keyes went to Tallahassee and camped out on his doorstep with a brilliant written brief not only explaining how he could save her, but why he must in order to fulfill the obligations of his oath of office. Uh, He swore to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, which requires equal protection and due process. The Florida Constitution, Article 1, Section 2, requires the same thing. It even mentions, uh, the disabled explicitly. He swore to do that. He didn't. He didn't step up and protect her. I, 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 he played Pontius Pilate in that whole passion play, okay? Right. I'm quite gratified to see him, his political career crash and burn. Uh, Because of that one thing, I would never support him in a million years because he didn't do his job to protect her. The federal government, the courts, the President of the United States, they could have stepped up and saved her, but they didn't. So this is what happens when you buy the judicial supremacist lie. Individuals pay the price with their lives. That's how serious this one question is. And frankly, all of the Republicans in leadership now running for president, they're all judicial supremacists. They all think Oberg fell, uh, which was the so called gay marriage opinion. They think it's the law of the land because the court said so. They think they are more powerful than the laws of nature and nature's God they think uh they are more powerful than the supreme law or land the constitution they have no regard for the obligations of their oath this is why the country is in the trouble it's in folks
3: yeah when you have elected officials hiding under their desk and people like you and, and coach Dave Dobmeyer you know going down to florida coach dave actually getting arrested trying to um bring Shiva water Uh, It's a really messed up situation. And this didn't happen yesterday. This happened over a decade ago.
2: Yeah, and and, and, Tom, as as we're approaching the top of the hour, I just want to say this. We have got a a vast listening audience of evangelical Christians, of conservative Christians, of conservatives and Christians. And, and, you know, now uh, there's no excuse for anybody out there to say they cannot vote their conscience because here we have a man in the form of Tom, Hopefully, saying to you, I, you know, I will uphold the sanctity of life, the laws, the uh, spiritual. I will, I will adhere to my spiritual mandate, my the mandate that the office of presidency requires, and step up and step in and and, and fight for the unborn, fight for people like Terry Schiavo, and and make things right. So. There you go. I mean, you, you want options? You want a candidate? You want somebody that you can actually back in good conscience? You're talking to them or listening to them. Here you are. A- am I right?
0: Well, and they can join me on my front porch later, and they can talk to me directly. They don't have to depend on Fox News or CNN or anybody else to filter things for them. They can come on our conference call tonight. We'll stay on two, three hours if if, if folks want us to. And they can ask me directly. We don't need the media. We don't need money. We we can do it ourselves with
2: God's help. With God's help. And, and that's so underestimated today. You know, we, we wear the badge of Christianity, at least behind our keyboard or maybe even on our sleeves, so to speak. But do we practice that? Do we believe that? Some, I, you know, I dare say that many Christians don't. We don't need, and you're right. We don't need stinking money. Oh yeah, uh, you know what we need? We need faith in God, and when we need your principles, the principles that adhere to the Bible and the Constitution, and we need people of action, not of words. Uh, you know, absolutely. So this is, Amen. Man, I'll tell you something, Tom. I, With that, well, we're already at the top of the hour break.
3: Um the first hour just went so fast and uh It did. No, it uh it always does. Our guest is Tom. Tom
2: Hofling from Doghoffling And uh the the party uh I'm sorry, the political party. Yes. The political party <laughs> it's, 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 Tom, Tom, Tom is the political party Planner. the American American party or is it
0: No. No, it's America's party. And you can find our, yeah, you can find that platform at selfgovernment.us, selfgovernment.us. We'll be right back. Uh, Thank you, buddy. Okay.
2: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our very special guest, Mr. Tom Hofling, tomhofling.com. That is H-O-E-F-L-I-N-G. Folks, go there. Bookmark it. Go there now or go there right after the show. But do, but definitely go there. And here's what I would urge all of our listeners to do. The Christians out there, the conservatives, the people who Believe you've got that that morsel of belief that you know we can change, we can help enact change. Well, Tom Hoefling, uh is a man who can enact change that is consistent with our, and I say our, uh, ideological beliefs in terms of what a true Christian is, what an evangelical Christian is, what a Bible believing Christian is, and, and, and even even well equally important. Uh, uh, an adherent to the United States Constitution, the rule of law, the way the country was established to be. That is who we're talking to. And he is a candidate for the President of the United States in 2016. And yes, he can he can he can do it he can he can win you know we we're all told as children well you can be president if you want to and then we get cynical ha ha you know yeah only with the royalty and the approved but you know what a grassroots efforts can change things so every one of you listen to me out there please you know if you say it's hopeless out there no, don't believe it. You can enact change. Go to tomhoffling dot com and endorse him. Put your name out there. I support Tom Hoffling for president. There's a sheet right there and he and, and you know refreshingly, we don't want your money if you're serious about saving America. We want you We want He wants your endorsement and just think if we could flood. The, uh, flood that with a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, t- ten thousand. Did you realize what a change that could be? The ripple effect would soon become a tsunami, and this is what we've been called to do. All right, very simple now, but before we get back to, to Tom Hoefling, many people say, you know, Doug, you're nuts. And of course, that's my. Introduction into nuts dot com, folks. We find a great website that offers any kind of a snack, any kind of uh, uh, nut, uh, uh, the freshest on the planet, the best on the planet. We get hungry during the day. We don't have time to leave for lunch. So, what do we have around here? We've got uh, different bags of snacks. And we've and hmm. they're the freshest you've ever tasted. Have you been to the store lately, looked at the nuts? There's no selection. They're sitting in cans and they've been on the shelves for literally months. Well and last week I said a pistachio bag, a big bag of pistachios was thirty dollars
3: at the grocery store.
2: Yes. And and, and and it's they're they're tasteless and they've been around forever. So let's be totally honest you're not going to find the quality of pistachios the quality of dried uh, uh, berries or or delicious black walnuts at your local grocery store it's just not going to happen so we found this incredible website once you hear the name you hear it once you hear you know it it's nuts.com it's that simple folks i I spoke with the head nut i've told this story before the ceo of nuts.com a man of that's busier than any six nuts combined okay and um uh, I had a conversation with him as the CEO because I wanted to know about this company and and I joke around the first thing he he said to me was how did you get my phone number but but no seriousness he was actually in the process of quality control checks this is a hands-on business a hands-on man and he's a great guy and he said you know what my first concern my first Really, my only concern is the satisfaction of our customers, the quality of our product, and they don't disappoint. Folks, right now, new customers through Hagman and Hagman.com can get four free samples. You can choose from over 50 options. It's a $15 value when you go to nuts.com. Click on the mic then the blue box there and enter our code H. H, which stands for Hagman and Hagman. That'll make it easier. If you're having a hard time deciding which uh, ones to use for the
3: promotion, you can send me cashews or pistachios or uh, the
2: peanuts. Uh, sure. Uh, I, maybe- I, <laughs> I'll eat them all. You know, and it, look, since 1929, this family-owned business has prided themselves on delivering the best of nuts and dried fruit you'll find anywhere. Only the freshest products from the best suppliers in the world. Easy to use site, lets you search exactly for what you're looking for. You can buy it by the case, by the pound, by the truckload. And I do suggest truckload, but, but that's just me. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. We love the dried fruit, the apricots, the figs. Oh, we've never tasted the strawberries. Such so succulent and sweet chocolate covered nuts every flavor of gummy bear monkey munch what again my favorite and shh, don't tell but lady's favorite too she will she will take your arm off for monkey munch lady the studio dog of course and of course all kinds of cooking and baking goods almond flour and such spices grains and folks you, you have a special dietary restriction options for all diets the best selections and tons to choose from sugar-free certified organic certified gluten-free coffee teas they've got over 39 kinds and 170 flavors they've got gifts tins custom trays baskets buckets of nuts and for your boss and even for your favorite talk show hosts (laughs) Or, or how about this even for your favorite presidential candidate. I don't know if they're allowed to take uh, Nuts, but uh, we can we can press the system. Right now, folks, new customers get four free samples. Choose from over 50 options. That's a $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, enter our code HH. Folks, that's nuts.com. Enter our code HH. Four free samples with your order. Go to nuts.com for full details. Folks, we're talking with Tom Hofling. And that's tomhoefling.com. And from there, you can go to his, the party um, website and such. But what I really want to get into in welcoming him, him back, of course, we're talking about principles and procedures and such. Tom, we're going to kick it back over to you. You are the, you're the, uh, your platform is, is visible for everyone on your website. Uh, you're offering. Town hall, front porch, campaign uh, things. Uh, you've got 25 years under your belt of consistent, principled, conservative action. That includes r- the restoration of governmental protection for the unborn, for the innocents, for the infirmed. You, you, you and that's it's, so important. I mean, it's amazing. That puts you aside
3: from any and all other candidates <clears throat> in the race because. As our morals continue to decline as a nation, our rights continue to disappear. And, you know, for the GOP and their conservative candidates, too many of them, or most of them, seem to be okay with provisions like the NDAA taking away constitutional rights and also the uh, abortion mills continuing to run. Uh, You don't hear people talking out about that. You might hear a remark here or there, to pander to public opinion, but nobody has any serious uh, solutions for these problems that our nations face that our nation faces
2: yeah let 's get back to you talk about your principles take it away Tom take it away
3: well, and well, like, uh, you
0: know. let me just talk about the g o p first uh, my wife sienna is is a wonderful researcher uh, she for a number of years was the chief archivist for dr. Alan Keyes and So we really dig into stuff, and we really check these candidates out very well. And I know this might be hard for some of your listeners who, you know, might have been hearing other voices tell them otherwise, but the fact is, as much as people, the media is saying this is some kind of a revolutionary kind of process going on in the GOP this year with Trump and Cruz and uh, Carson and all these people, in fact, if you get down to their stated public policies and their, their record, uh, where they stood on things uh, on the most important uh issues of our day, the pressing evil of our age of abortion, marriage, protection of the natural family, judges, uh the right to keep and bear arms, our national sovereignty, our national security, our borders, all of these things, really, these people all represent the status quo. It doesn't matter who in the Democrat or the Republican Party that you nominate or elect at this point. You're going to—they're going to keep killing babies. You can count on it. Okay, there, uh, the the homosexual agenda is going to go forward. Uh, the judges are going to continue to rule over us. So, you know, these principles are important, and understanding them is critical. Uh, you know, those ten items, uh, ten commitments. That I have on my website I have a long term uh, record uh, in politics as an activist of standing for those things without compromising Uh, you know Donald Trump comes to this election he spent his uh, whole adult life as a radical leftist and suddenly Mm -hmm. when he wants to run as a Republican for president suddenly he says he's a conservative but if you look at where he's come down even now on public policy He's supporting these 20-week fetal pain bills, which are immoral and unconstitutional. Uh, he thinks the Supreme Court, whatever they say, is the is the law of the land. So you're going to get, if you keep doing what you've already always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. Uh, you can't put your faith and your confidence in the people who got us in this mess in the first place. So, uh those, those mm-hmm. ten items, I, I believe those ten things. I mean, this is the work of decades. Uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton once said, uh, the simplification of anything is, is always spectacular. Okay? We've simplified the core matters, the, the core principles and policies that uh, the survival and the continuation of this republic depend upon. Uh, these things are not optional if you really want to save the country. And so I hope people will really look at that and realize the depth that is behind those ten simple bullet points, okay? It's not just uh, some mere political boilerplate rhetoric. Uh, these, these are, I believe, the ten keys to restoring and preserving this country for our, our children and our grandchildren. That's how important I believe those principles are. The, the process yep. is, a, is another another question. Uh, you know we've got to take the practical steps. Uh, we've got to be principled, but we have to take the practical steps to get our country back as well. will not matter though, on the process side, if we don't get back to the principles, we'll keep going down.
2: Well, I was musing over the principles earlier today in preparation for this interview. And, and you know, lip service has been paid to many of the many, if not all of the 10, 10 principles there, um, you know, from reigning rain in, in the out of control spending to the uh defending of our border our, of our national sovereignty i mean we've sold the we've sold our, our our birthright as americans uh, to the highest bidder and it doesn't matter republican or democrat that's gone basically and, and but but your message is, your principles is one of getting back is is saying okay look right from the start we have to acknowledge that our rights come from god not men and human life is of course precious and and um you know it, you go into the uh, second amendment rights and the sovereignty and such and and and, and so on and folks you can read this at dot com. But, but okay so having said all of that perhaps a person you know, a, a rather, I don't know, maybe one who's been, been, as we all have, been ravaged by the system and lied to by so many. Somebody might ask you, hey, hey Tom, I, how do you hope to accomplish this, all these these commitments as President of the United States? Do you think you can do it? I mean, can you do it? How do you do it?
0: Well, getting there is, is one thing. And then what you do once you get there is, is another matter entirely. I mean, we've all gotten a full dose of people who say one thing during a campaign and then they get to Washington and they, you know, they're absorbed by the Borg. Yeah. Uh, you know, we remember the great Tea Party election of 2010 and all of these people saying they were going to go to Washington and do this, you know. Uh, The first thing those people heard when they got on the Hill was a lecture from John Boehner saying, if you don't, if you don't vote to increase the debt limit, you're a bunch of big babies. And you know what? Most of them caved right out of the gate. Of course. So, (laughs) I mean, so the character and the quality, uh, of the people that we elect is critical. And, you know, are they willing to be held accountable once they're elected, and are the people willing to hold them accountable do, do, yeah. do you recall do you recall uh, when they were working when the Democrats in Congress were working to pass Obamacare, they were having town halls all over the country? Yep. Uh, the citizens started to show up at the town halls and give these politicians a really rough time. And it wasn't that's long right. before the Democrats just quit having town hall meetings that's right they they couldn't stand to face the people you know we need uh, look guys if if the American people ever realize who they are once again and also their own power, look out nothing nothing politically can stand in the way of that nothing uh <laughs> Okay. I mean, uh, again, tens of millions of Christians standing up on a principled basis, standing together, uh, are virtually, you know, with God on their side, are virtually an unstoppable political force.
2: And that brings me to our conversation of yesterday, folks. I had just a wonderful conversation with this man, and you know the definition of a statesman. In speaking to to Tom Hoefling, I got the the distinct feeling that I was speaking to a statesman. And, and there's a really big difference. We lack statesmanship in, in the candidates that we have today. And you've been saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, my my question well, to you... Well, go ahead, sir. Go ahead.
0: No, let me tell you what I would define a statesman as. I mean, I would be embarrassed to ascribe anything to myself, but, I mean, to me, a statesman is a man who or a woman who would get into the office and they would do what is right, no matter what the... The political expedients might appear uh, to be. That's what we need people who who consider their oath to God to be the overriding decider in every question and 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 the obligations of their oath to support and defend our constitution. Uh, you know we need people who go there and and not spend you know every waking minute raising money like our current politicians have to do because of the kind of system that they've set up, but who are there determining how can we best uh, do our duty, Uh, look at every piece of legislation, every public policy, and, and, A, decide, is it morally right? Okay? If it's not morally right, throw it away. Okay? If it is morally right, the next question is, is it constitutional? If it's not constitutional, uh, no, we can't support that, period. Okay, but if it is constitutional, look it over. Is it necessary? Is it absolutely necessary? It's morally right. It's constitutional. Do we really need it? Okay, is it absolutely necessary? If it isn't absolutely necessary, no. Let's quit bankrupting our great-grandchildren. Let's quit robbing them of their God-given right to government by consent. They didn't agree to be born with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt on their head. Okay? Let's get rid of it. If it's absolutely necessary, then do it, but do it as efficiently, as non invasively as we possibly can. And, you know, uh, the scripture says, without a vision, my people perish. You know, we need some leaders with a vision for how it's supposed to be and you know hopefully the character to go do it you know reinforced by we the people demanding that they
1: do it
2: all right that's what we need well mr hopling so t- talk us through this you know we talked about the principles and then we referenced the process now the, we we are going to be talking a little bit about a different kind of process Walk me, through, walk our listeners through the process because it's good for someone to sit anywhere or stand somewhere and say, "I want to be the president," because I can, I can provide the change that the Christians have been looking for. I, I, I'm putting my my whole life on the line. I'm putting everything on the line to to to, to, to provide. Um, to to, to really give you the foundation as a Christian, conservative, and a constitutionalist. But walk us through the process. How can we get you from where you're at right now? How can we help you get from where you're at right now to the Oval Office?
0: Let me just give a short little primer for people on how our process works. Uh, People forget we have an electoral system. Uh, We don't have direct elections when it comes to the president uh i know there are people who would like us to have that they would like to junk the electoral college i am not among them i think our founders were wise to set it up the way that they did uh but we have we have elections that are run at the state level and at the county level and so we have 50 different uh sets of rules for what a presidential candidate has to do to get on the ballot to be in the general election. Forget about all these primaries, I'm talking about uh, just to run as an independent candidate. Okay? Now, America's party uh, is a bit different in that we are kind of the un-party. The first thing we always talk about is what George Washington said in his farewell address. Then eight or 10 long paragraphs, warning against the dangers of party factionalism. Uh, I I would urge your listeners to Google up George Washington's farewell address and read it and absorb it. Uh, We don't care about the party label. We run candidates as Republicans. Uh, This year I'm trying to get uh, the nomination once again of the American Independent Party in California. Of course, that's the biggest electoral prize I think we're on track to, to garner that once again. I'm also now setting out to garner the Constitution Party's nomination in April. They have, uh, they're likely to have about 20 or thereabouts uh, state ballot lines. Uh, but let me back up for just a minute. Uh, in 2012, again, with no money, just running our Front Porch campaign, uh, we made it possible for voters representing three-quarters of the electors to vote for our ticket. Now stop and think about that, three-quarters of the electors. So in other words, numerically it was possible for me to get elected with just this grassroots effort. We were only directly on the ballot in 2012 in three states, California, Florida and Colorado. Um, Most of the rest were uh, qualified write-in status. In other words, you have to provide an electoral uh, slate of electors, or you have to provide so many signatures, or, uh, you know, every state is different. Uh, but we were able to do that with, you know, a small band of people and and no money. Uh, if we had a million Christians step up right now to help the Constitution Party get more state ballot lines... Uh, to help us in the states where the Constitution Party wasn't prepared to do that, uh, we could probably come very close uh, to getting it on all the states. There's a couple states that are particularly troublesome, very difficult. The Republican and Democrat political cartel has made it very difficult for anybody but them to be on the ballot. Texas, Oklahoma, North Carolina are the three that stick out as being very difficult. They've, they've set the bar so high that it, it would take a large mass of people to get it done in the time allowed. So, you know, basically it just, it requires a sufficient number of people willing to get off their couch, shut off their big screen TV. I would hope permanently because it's not doing you any good. But, uh, shut off the TV, get up, go out and get a hundred signatures or go out and get 500 signatures. And help us get qualified for the ballot, without regard to the media, without regard to what we're seeing now, which is dueling billionaires fighting over the carcass of the country, <laughs> the political carcass. that's what we've got right now, dueling billionaires, very well but put. all this report- yeah, I mean uh, I mean uh, we the people could overcome this. we still have the ability. As of this moment, to take this back, if we have the will, if we will uh, put our principles into action, we could do it. It's it, it could be done.
2: So, just to be clear now, okay, because we're we're still caught, many of us, in, in the Republican Democrat right left paradigm. What you're doing is breaking through that partisan, um, the fictitious partisan. Uh, arena there, breaking into that and saying, "Look, we can get on the ballot in various states, and all it's going to take is just a grassroots campaign of people, of, of signatures, basically." And part and parcel to that, you have made it very easy uh, by on your website there. Uh, by by saying I support Tom Hoefling for president, and just put your name and email and phone number, and uh, and such, and, and s- do it that way. I mean, in that case, you don't even have to get off your porch there by by putting. No, your, most mo- yeah,
0: Most yeah. of the time, and most of the way we've set up our political operation I don't have to leave my front porch, and neither do you, do you have to leave yours. Uh, it's just in the case of getting ballot access. In many states, we do need signatures. So we need volunteers who are willing to make that sacrifice to go out for some number of days or maybe weeks uh, to go out and gather up signatures. Uh, this is what's required to make the ballot. It's just the price that you have to pay uh, for having a principled choice.
1: Okay. okay.
0: Uh, when I ran, so- when I ran, when I ran for governor in 2014 here in Iowa. I went out and got a large proportion of the signatures myself. It was one of the coldest winters we've ever had. I, I spent weeks and weeks and weeks traveling all over the state uh collecting signatures when it was 20, 25 degrees below zero. Um, you know, uh, freedom ain't free, folks. Somebody's got to pay the price. I mean, if you just sit and wait to see what they're going to do to you next, they're going to do it to you.
2: Hmm. Absolutely.
1: Uh,
2: uh, yeah. Yeah. And and, and you're in your right. So, folks, what we're saying it it doesn't take much effort to to, to support Tom, hopefully for president. Fill out that uh, endorsement supporting form. That's a start. And let's, you know what? Let's turn the system on its ear, shall we? And and as a Christian, go ahead. yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, if they sign up there, we'll be back in touch with them, and we will point them to the appropriate people in their state. Again, every state is different. Some places we already have the ballot line lined up. Uh, Other places, like my state, for example, we've got to go out and get 1,500 signatures. Okay, and we've got to do that uh, in the next few months. Uh, So it's going to take a band of us. The more there are to help, the lighter the burden is on those of us who are do have the commitment. You know, for every hundred people who sign up there and who will pitch in a little, if everybody would each do a little, uh, I always put it this way: we could move the mountain if everybody would just pick up a bucket, okay? Easily. If only a handful have to keep doing it, you know, it's it's much more difficult and and perhaps not possible.
2: Uh, and we re- and we realize we're fighting an uphill battle against this leviathan, but a lot of that battle is psychological in nature because we've been programmed to believe. And I, I come back to this: Oh, we can't fight city hall. We can't fight the the uh, machinations of the of the corrupted political system. Yeah, we can if everyone just imagine imagine this as an analogy. If everyone in the airport. You know, who who are being made like cattle to go through the screening uh, process? Said, "No, I am not going to do that to get on the plane. I'll go through a magnetometer, but no, I am not going to go to get nuked or get felt up." Imagine if everyone said that. Where do you think we would be? Do you think we'd still have our problems? This is the same case, I think. Kind of the same uh, analogy, right?
0: Yeah. Recently, I watched a, a documentary, and it was about Berlin. And it told the whole story of the the building of the Berlin wall and how the the Soviets uh began to build that wall. There were people passing back and forth from east to west Berlin, and they wanted to stop this because they were everybody was being drained out of east germany there were people were going towards liberty well so they began to build this wall, and they they instituted this this uh fear factor and they killed anybody who tried to get across and they pretty much sealed everybody in well when the wall fell uh, there was an East German official on the television and he was being questioned and and they they were finally relenting and they were saying we're gonna let some people cross and the interview asked asked him well when and he said well starting today starting now well he wasn't supposed to say that but he said it and the people of of East Berlin Descended on that wall and they began to take sledgehammers to it within the hour all of these German border guards melted away they disappeared they stripped off their uniforms they were no more and the wall came down the people had the power to do that for decades the whole time but yeah. they, they it had to get to the point where the fear factor uh, was oh. overcome and the people moved in mass, and the wall came down We're facing, I I repeat this story because it it matches perfectly with what you just said, Doug. Uh, If the Christians in this country would get over the idea that they can't do anything and realize that they can, uh, and we all began to move in mass, again, nothing could stand in the way. These walls would come down very quickly.
2: You know, and, and I'm of the opinion right now that the majority of people in america not necessarily the people listening to this broadcast but the majority of people in america would would see the lack the wall gone but yet walk up to the um that where the foundation was evident of that wall and walk no further because they've been programmed to believe that's as far as they can go so we've got to get out of that mindset as Christians, we, we well, were not, again, <laughs> you know, as Christians, yeah, I mean, we, need, we yeah. Go on, go on, go on.
0: No, we need leadership. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you got to have some people bold enough to take that step across the line, you know. Amen. Uh, so that those who are a little weaker, you know, or maybe a little more timid, you know, will be emboldened. Uh, courage breeds courage. Boldness breeds Boldness. So, I mean, it's it's time. It's time for Christians to step up and do their duty, to do it courageously, to do it boldly, to do it with understanding and knowledge, and, you know, without compromise. Just step up and say, no, look, you're not getting our political impetus anymore, Republican Party. You've sold out our principles. You're destroying our country. We're not going to take it anymore, and we're going to do something about it.
2: And folks, listeners to this program, whether you're listening to this live or via archive, if you are living in the United States, uh, I, I urge everyone to do this to support. And, and you know, it's we have to do something. Doing nothing to me is not biblical. Accepting or or saying well. You know what? There's no really legitimate choice out there, so I'm not going to vote this election. Yeah, I can't because... I go through that in my mind. Right. So here's what I, I guarantee, and here's the promise I'm making to all of the listeners. When this program ends at 10.01, I'm filling that in that, that form out where, where it says, I support Tom Hoefling for president. I am going to be, maybe I might be number one in this, maybe a 100, maybe a 1,020. I don't know from this program, but the bottom line is I'm putting my signature my name where my mouth is and we'll see where this leads but i do believe if we get enough people and we get the people organized or at least get it going let's do something instead of be sitting behind keyboards and screens and television sets and in our house and saying well we just can't do it no we can do it we must do it and look at the platform look at the points is there anything you and the priorities. And the priorities. The principles there you have it. Because I don't think any sane, rational, human, Christian, conservative, constitutionalist has can get any better and or more concise than the principles in which you or which you espouse. So I'm well,
0: here's the you. here's another Sorry. part I wanna highlight, gentlemen. Uh look this isn't just about me getting elected okay one guy can't save this country even in nope. the office of the president of the united states okay it just isn't possible so this isn't just about getting the elected president this is this is just one battle line uh... there are thousands of other offices in this country that need to be filled by principled moral christian people okay so you know get involved put your name down there fill out the form and we're gonna tie you into a network of people over time that can maybe get help you get elected to the local school board or your lo- local city council or your, your, your city trustees or your county supervisors or your state legislatures. Again, it's gotta start at the bottom up. I mean, we wanna fight on every front that we can. We would like to win the White House because it is a powerful platform. It is a bully pulpit as Teddy Roosevelt said, uh, and we can do a lot with it. But we've got to rebuild this country from the bottom up. And, and this is true in terms of our moral basis, uh, you know, the right to life, our rights, and all of these things, our national security, all of these things. But this is also what will determine our economy, our prosperity. They're, they're spending us blind, folks. I, I, I tend not to prioritize the financial things, because we have a whole political class that only prioritizes the money issues, okay, and not the moral issues. They've got everything backwards. But the things we're talking about are also going to determine whether you got any money in your pocket, whether you own any property, whether you own a business, you know, our tax system. I mean, we haven't <laughs> forgotten about those things either. Uh, we have every intention of putting those things right to, you know, with God's help and again, if if millions of Christians will step up and begin to do the right thing without compromise,
2: and, and, and you know, I I tend to uh, marvel at the power that the christ the the body of the Christians have. We we as Christians have a lot of power, but you know that power if you don't use it if you don't step up if you don't fight if you don't if you don't um, walk the walk it's useless it's like being
3: on a baseball team and you are a member of a team yet you play third base and half the time you know when you show up you're not interested and you don't want to play
2: that's right
3: Um, you know just letting balls go by, not trying to hit the ball when it's pitched to you,
2: being indifferent. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I like our team to win, but gee whiz, I'm not sure I want to go out the bat. Right. We have well, you to know, take guys, the
1: win. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: Go
1: ahead. No, go ahead.
0: No, I mean yeah. the scripture is very clear about how the body of Christ functions. Every single member of the body is important. You can't say, you know, that big toe. We don't need that big toe. You know, break your big toe once and find out how much you don't need it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, people fall into the trap of thinking that they're just one person and they can't matter. They don't matter. No, that's not the reality. The reality is that, you know, our national motto, well, we have a couple, you know, and God we trust, but also, e pluribus unum, uh, mm-hmm. out of many, one. You know, if the many are corrupt or well, they're not performing the function that God intended them to perform, then the one, is, the whole, is going to be damaged, and it may not even exist any longer. We may not have our national union anymore. We may just experience dissolution and destruction. So one person matters, uh, you know, in your own family, of course, in your local church, uh, in your local community, uh, your, your county, your state. Uh, You know, one person and then you add two this is is why we run what I call a five by five plan we're just telling people we don't want you to do a lot we want you to uh, begin to participate in communicating with one another and we want you to go out and get five more people let's get five more people and then we'll go to the next stage and we'll tell everybody okay go get five more people everybody just get five people and we'll go through these stages there's 12 stages of our campaign plan and guess what we'll win it's really not difficult. It's not complicated. But it does require people. If people just sit there and say, I can't, I don't matter, it doesn't matter, well, then we're not going to accomplish this.
2: That's right. Now, if I can ask this question here, we we have a listener question, and I'm sure this is typical of others who are thinking about this or are listening to you and saying, man, it sounds good. Everything sounds good. But here's the question, and and you tell me uh, how you tell us how 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 to overcome this, uh, basically even if the popular vote won. I mean, it, it, let's say you you won the popular vote. What about the electoral college? You mentioned that before. How how how, is, how do you clear that hurdle?
0: Well, again, it's easier to win in the Electoral College than it is to win the popular vote because you only need a certain percentage of the states. They vary in terms of how many electoral votes they have. Uh, California, of course, has the most. You know, smaller states, uh, many of the states only have a grand total of three electoral votes, like South Dakota and (laughs) Wyoming, uh, Montana. They, They just get one electoral vote for each congressional seat and then one for each Senate seat uh... so you know if you win california you picked off the biggest block of electoral votes
1: uh...
0: people don't realize this abraham lincoln in 1860, the brand new republican party he wasn't even on the ballot in any of the states in the deep south none of them i i told you in two thousand and twelve that voters representing three-quarters of the electors could have voted for our ticket that's exactly the percentage of uh, electors that Abraham Lincoln had available to him in 1860 and of course he won hmm. so so it's actually easier to win the electoral college than it is to win the popular vote
2: do we need a remedial civics class to, to, to oh, remind ourselves no. I
0: mean, look, people don't even understand simple things like checks and balances anymore uh, that's true. So, yeah, I think most Christians do need a remedial civics course. Yeah,
2: this is very interesting because that, to me, you know, at, on its face, was a, i mean, is a legitimate question. But then you turned it and said, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Now, a little bit more understanding of the system now puts this in a different light." So, yes, I mean, the, the people have a, a voice; they have. They can, obviously, we can make an impact, and it's that, that deep programming to tell us otherwise that, uh, or it's saying, hey, you know, uh, my goodness, who is this guy? He's not gonna win, my goodness, he, he needs a, a bazillion dollars and, you know, a graft, uh, No, no. This this can be done. This can be done, but we need everyone's cooperation and working like a, you know, just everyone's cooperation, everyone's involvement, everyone who says they care. If everyone, if I heard, man, I get a lot of emails, a ton of emails. If every emailer, every person who sent me an email over the last month, two months, about the election process and about the presidency, if everyone... Got their put their support behind uh, Mr. Tom. Hopefully, right now, I guarantee you we could make a huge impact in the system, uh, and I mean a, a dramatic one. I, I, people, I, don't I realize, people,
0: people don't realize people don't realize their own circle of influence. I, you know, my own e- email account—I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of contacts many thousands of contacts just buried right in my email account. So if everybody out there would say, okay, I'm going to reach out uh, to everyone on my email list, and I'm going to send them an email that says, look, I'm supporting Tom Holfling. Here's why. Okay, go to his website, check it out for yourself, and, and sign up. If everybody would do that, we would reach millions of people practically overnight. Uh, the social networks. You know, most people are on Facebook, not everybody, but most people are. I, you know, I've got 10,000 people on Facebook myself between our various pages and groups and, and accounts. Sure. Uh, you know, if each one of them would then, you know, start, uh, we have so much good content, go to com. just start clicking through the links down the side. You know, we've got all these wonderful treasures, these thoughts uh, from our history you know, uh, send people there and say, start to think about what this country is supposed to be and how we can get it back. And uh, you know, we we have more power, more influence uh, than we think we do. Uh, two two things on my on my endorsements page there. There's a link in the top right on com It says endorsements. People will click on that and read some of them. But in the top right, there's two links. One is to American Right to Life, uh, they rate me as the only presidential candidate who is a tier one personhood pro-lifer. And on their personhood profiles website, they lay out the faulty positions of all of the various Republican candidates when it concerns equal protection for innocent life. But another link there at the top, uh, last November, suddenly I found out Newsmax, had named me one of the 100 most influential pro-life people in America. I didn't seek that, whatever, but I've been out there educating people, using the resources that I have for years. I never expected to get put on that list. You know, I was put on there with people like Franklin Graham, you know, and all of these well-known Christian conservative leaders and all of these people. I didn't expect that, Uh but, you know, we all have influence. All of us. We're, we're much more influential than we than we might think.
2: Yes, we are. Some, that's so right. You're so correct.
3: People use the movie Ants as an analogy, <coughs> but the um, reality of it is is they have a ruling elite of maybe uh, you know a thousand to five thousand. There's seven billion people on the planet. If we all would to put it, were to put aside our, our petty differences and come together under the unification and goal of uh, restoring sound laws and governance, nothing can stop us. We just can't come together because we're so divided by buying into the propaganda that is put before us. That's right. I, uh, I, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, you, uh, I just want to kind of give you a, a heads up here. We've got about uh, about eight minutes left, or seven and a half minutes left. Uh, this hour went by so quickly. We're going to turn it over to you, and and just go ahead in the remaining moments that we have, minutes we have, just drive it home and and, and speak to the vast audience that we have, and and uh, it, it, the floor is yours. Wherever the spirit might lead you. Go for it.
0: Well, Doug, first of all, let me say, I think this has been a wonderful interview, and I really appreciate you guys uh, and and uh, the way this conversation has gone. I mean, when I came on, I was determined, you know, to talk about the principles and the process. Uh, so the first thing I would urge your listeners to do is, you know, look at that platform. Go to selfgovernment.us. Look at the America's Party platform. Go down through those things. You no, know, decide for yourself what are the things that are non-negotiable to you. Uh, those ten items are the things that are non-negotiable to me. i just I won't compromise those things any longer for any politician or any political party. Nope, won't do it. So I would ask people to get themselves well grounded in those things, God-given unalienable rights, equal protection for the unborn, protecting God's institution of marriage and the natural family. That's the basic building block of our entire uh, civil life and our civilization and our economy and everything else. You know, protecting our right to keep and bear arms. You know, restoring our national sovereignty, our national security, our our national borders. Uh, you know, uh, beginning to get a, get the government back within its enumerated powers. Get rid of all of these unconstitutional programs and agencies. Uh, you know just get those things uh firm in your mind uh i've got this little somewhere on my website I, I i love political cartoons sometimes they're so effective uh there's there's a cartoon i saw of a politician behind a podium he's standing out on the end of a big board over a cliff and there's a crowd of people standing on the other end of the board, holding the board up and keeping the politician from falling off the cliff. And there's a, there's a picture of one guy stepping off the board, okay? I mean, it, just withdrawing your support from those who compromise these principles is huge. It's not enough. You've got to provide an alternative, a principled alternative, but it's a start. Uh withdraw your support as Christians from anyone who compromises on killing little babies or compromising marriage or anything like that. Mm. Uh so that would that would be the first thing. The second thing, again, back over to the process side. Um, come on our conference call. I mean, if I've convinced you uh in this call, great. You know, sign up, pitch in, let's get to work. Okay. If you're not convinced, if you have more questions for me or if you know other people who will have questions, have them come on our conference line. I'm the host. It's a wide open. uh, We say all of goodwill are welcome. The only people we would kick out would be somebody who tried to disrupt or was rude or something like that. But it's a wide open thing. Starts As soon as this show is over, we're going on that conference line, and we'll be on there for two, three hours at least. And ask me anything you want. You don't have to have a media filter or the filter of a bunch of political hacks devising political, you know, manipulative language for you. You can ask me yourself. And then we'll be back there again on Thursday night and next Tuesday night, and we'll probably start having extra ones and more as we get further into this election process. You can send people to ask me directly anything they want.
2: No, nothing would please me more than all of a sudden having this mass exodus from listening to our program, and going to America Summit, Restore the Republic, the national town hall at uh, accessible via tomhoefling.com, dot com, and engaging you in conversation there's the number right there on the website it's a french front porch uh, campaign to save america it's a grassroots campaign folks you're dismissed from this program to engage mr hofling in in conversation as he said a conversation that's reasonable rational and of course one of of good uh, uh, of good manners and goodwill And, and let's do something to change well, we have the power to change, and if you don't think we've got the power to change, then why are you even listening to this program? I guess. So there you have it. After after um, this program will be that that uh, that America Summit, that national town hall, and it's you know I, I hope, Mr. Huffling, I, I hope that you get so many phone calls that you can't even handle the questions, and you're up for like two days straight talking to people. I really do. <laughs> Okay.
0: We, we, you know, before the last election, we stayed on the phone lines for basically eight days, and we were on the phones for like twelve hours a day. Wow, it okay. was it was grueling. But you know, look, it, it, if we're going to remake the way we do politics, you know, it's going to require some sacrifice from some people. Um, yeah. but the yeah. more the more people there are the easier the burdens on on those few people.
2: Mhm. And and that's the way it is in any endeavor especially any endeavor worth, you know, worthwhile. Wow, I can't I, did, I just can't believe it. We want to thank you so much. We're wrapping up for the top of the hour. Uh sir, you know, you've got again as, as soon as the show's over, I'm going to be putting my name in um uh, signature where it counts on the endorsement side, and I hope everyone listening to this does only because, out of all the candidates out there, well, you're the only one that'll shut down the abortion mills, that'll shut down the, um, uh, the, the, well, you'll do the right thing according to the biblical principles in which we believe in, and uh, as well as the constitutional. And we couldn't ask for anything
3: more. No, <laughs> no, really. I mean, just. I it's, it's not that it's special, but in today's day and age, it is, and uh, we need it.
0: Oh, so God bless you, Doug, and God bless you, Joe, and God bless your
2: listeners. Well, thank you, sir. It was an honor to have you, and we will. You, we, you, you please come back again because this is a process, not an ultimate destination. We need to to all work together and make the change. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Mr. Tom Hoefling, com. Yeah, we have a choice as Christians, and you know, we, we don't have to vote against our conscience now. No, we don't. We can yeah, vote. Let's can do it. for the lesser of two evils, but for a person who holds
3: the same uh, Judeo-Christian values that we hold and... Wants to stick to the founding documents and laws that were established with those documents. And
2: guess what? He's a natural born citizen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not that that matters, but I guess it helps. Of we're course. Back.
0: This is the Global Star Radio Network.
3: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour of this Tuesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stan Deo is our guest for our third and final hour. His website is standeo.com. He is a author, a speaker, uh, and so much more. His book, Cosmic Conspiracy, I would urge everybody to get that, as well as Holly Deo, his wife, Dare to Prepare. That is the Encyclopedia of Preparedness.
2: Indeed and, and Stan it's so great to have you back with us this week We we have some things to talk about And during the break we were talking about uh, And I'll just share this with people On the show images page folks If you go to com, Click on the show images And of course today's date uh, They're uh, interesting Right in the center Top center Which cities in the Mediterranean region Were built on seven hills There are four Based on reasoned and uh, uh, research. Well, you know, I mean, we can start there or anywhere you'd like, but it's really interesting because it just seems like now we are, oh, time's closing, time's getting quick, Uh, things are happening, we're watching prophecy. So, well, where do you want to start, Stan?
4: Well, that's a good place, uh, good as any. Uh, You know, we have been talking about this in weeks past, about the uh, Pope uh, being very suspect as part of the Antichrist uh, regime, um, if not the guy, I don't know, um, but we've been putting in items here for people to look at and consider as far as who the, the two beasts are, where they will have their headquarters and, you know, what they will do, uh, what the Antichrist will do, what the false prophet will do, and um, the whole objective of this has been to open people's minds to things around them in the current events to see what pieces fit into the puzzle that uh God gave to Daniel and to John uh, in their revelations to share with us through the ages until now. And there are, it is such a a complex issue that I've started building a matrix of stuff here. I'll, I'll probably end up putting it into an Excel file for people that use spreadsheets. But if you don't, what I'm doing here on the website is building picture images with text underneath showing, okay, what guys qualify possibly for Antichrist, what organizations qualify for the harlot that sits on the nations and controls them You know, through the ages, and what city has seven hills upon which the Antichrist or the harlot sits, and what is the city of Babylon, and, and what is the political system of Babylon. All these things are being developed. I can't do that overnight, but what I uh, have uh, now started adding to the the three guys I've got up there, and, and I'm including Pope Francis uh, soon, I'll put his uh, picture up there, but I'm adding the cities that John, on the island of Patmos, might well have understood to be where the um, Antichrist, the first beast, would sit, you know, or the the harlot that we're talking about. And there are a lot of descriptions about the the, the color, you know, the purple robes and stuff, and... Drunk with the blood of the saints, and um, they're talking about the harlot in the in the Revelation, and uh, you know gold cups and wealth and and persecuting the, the Christians, killing the the uh, uh, the saints through the ages, and this kind of in itself starts to tell us, look, what we're looking at is an organization um, that is current and forming, but. It is one that has had power over the millennia. We're not talking about something just short-term, Um because you're talking about seven kingdoms and an eighth coming that is one of the seven, and uh, you're talking about something that's had sway over the nations of the world for a long time, not just in a generation or so. Um And this tells us that the anti-Christian organization has to be long-enduring. It can't be something that is like... um some people have suggested the government uh, over Israel and the Zionists, that kind of stuff. That's, I don't think that's even a consideration, because it, it is not. You know, Zionism does not control the nations of the world. Uh, the, the official definition of Zionism was that they would set up and return to Mount Zion and, and reestablish uh, the nation of Israel, which did occur in 1948 in May. So that's, that's a new thing. What has been enduring over many uh, uh, millennia has been a type of religion that affected politics in Egypt and in in, in, uh, Babylon and and, uh, Assyria, and all these ancient kingdoms, and, and even in the Ottoman Empire. These religious practices that held sway over the land of Israel, even though they weren't back there, these are the ones, I think, that we have to look at as the the seven kings and the seven kingdoms or seven like um, uh, empires the ones that affected Israel because that's the purpose of the prophecy that John was talking about Israel and you know what's going to happen to that and what's going to happen to the believers who are you know uh, grafted into the tree of Israel as uh, Gentiles anyway um, these I think we start with Assyria back there looking at these ancient empires and the, the the empires um as a religion, basically all of them had a mother-son type deity. And, you know, you can look at, you know, um, the list I put into the DVD showing which uh, religions use what, you know, Tammuz and uh, Ishtar and all this kind of stuff. But you'll see that even the last emperor there in Rome before Rome kind of fell and became a quote-unquote Christian was uh, instituting the... Um, uh, Egyptian, uh, I think it was Osiris and, um, uh, what's his name? Was not Tammuz, but anyway. Uh, mother-son religion is trying to make that the official religion of Rome, but then, of course, it collapsed. Um, so here we are now in modern times, trying to find an organization that fits the bill, um, having sway over the land of Israel, and also having mother-son-type religious overtones uh, to it. Now, at the moment, the Vatican, uh, the Roman Catholic uh, institution, I even hate to call it a religion, but I guess it is, uh, is making overtones to make all the religions of the world get together and form one happy religion, everybody conceding a little bit of their viewpoint to make this new one-world religion. And to that end, the Vatican is looking to Israel uh, saying okay, look, uh, you know, let's let's be friendly and let's forget our differences and let's forget that the Catholic Church killed six million of you, blah blah blah, in the Middle Ages in Europe. Um, you know, let's let's let bygones be bygones. And that's why I think uh, that my research here is going to show that the the city upon which this harlot that will, that has controlled and will control the nations of the world for a short time um, is in Rome. Um, the, the Vatican doesn't sit right in the middle of the old Roman Empire, but it's the city of seven hills in the scriptures, and it doesn't necessarily have to sit like the woman sits on that, but it's uh, on seven hills, the city of seven hills, so I think uh, even though the Vatican's across the river, just you know, about three or four miles from where the old city of Rome was built on seven hills, that it, it can mean that one. Um, however... Uh, the arguments say that um, the uh, the Pope may actually put a presence into Jerusalem and make that, you know, the the Holy See number two or something, or the the Vatican number two, mm-hmm. uh, to make this new world religion. Um, Jeremiah in the, Stan, in the Bible. Sorry,
3: I just wanted to ask you. I've heard before, and I'm not sure that this is true. And I want to ask you if you know if it's true or not. Does the Vatican and the Pope own land of Jerusalem?
4: You know, I don't know an answer to that. Um, uh, it's probably okay. worth knowing. If they don't, they probably will soon. Um, it, you see, Jerusalem Jerusalem was built on seven hills. If you look at that uh, that show images page there and, and click on that, that first uh, block up there, which cities in the Mediterranean region are built in seven hills, and then you go down to the bottom of that page and it's a little type down that says compare the cities here. And if you go there... You'll see, I've just finished this week, the uh, the map showing the seven hills upon which Jerusalem was built. And even in the time of the Crusaders, they knew this. And so I produced a, um, a composite map there from those old maps to show people what uh, Jerusalem was built upon. Uh, you know, Mount uh, Garob and uh, Goeth and Akra and Ophel and Zion and Moriah and Bethesda, or Bethesda, I think it is with a T-H-A in, in Hebrew. But anyway, those are all in the old city uh, of Jerusalem. And so you think, well, okay, is the Pope owning land there? Uh, is he going to shift headquarters there uh, and still be the organization that has afflicted the nations for millennia, you know, this um, since the time of uh, Constantine anyway? And uh, is the organization really not uh, Christian, but uh, has become a modern version of the mother-son deity systems that even Egypt used. If that's the case, then it can put its headquarters anywhere. But if it moves out of Rome to Jerusalem, it's got a city built on seven hills, and that city uh, and uh, the temple mountain stuff is definitely on the city of seven hills. It's not, you know, across the river from it. It's in it. Um, that's why we we want to look at these things putting all the factors we can together in front of us, like a a big puzzle board, like, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes solves his mysteries. He puts them all up on a wall with little pins and arrows, connecting this and that. We're doing a little bit more organized with these uh, graphics and with uh, Excel so that you can say, okay, these are the conditions that need to be satisfied, city, person, behavior, uh, you know, scarlet and and, uh, robes and and gold and power, and and then... um, the Solomon, uh, you know, uh, contribution—that all these little clues—we have to solve them before we can identify the Antichrist and his organization. I suspect this is coming soon. So, as the sooner we reveal him, discover and reveal him, uh, the sooner we get out of this place. I think.
2: All right, and, and, and you know, when we when we look at the potential location of the seven hills. What does the Bible say in prophecy about the future of the city of Seven Hills? Is it not uh prophesized and, and even uh, some some of the Jewish rabbinical texts of Zohar and such, where where the city of Rome will become apostate and that Rome will be punished, um specifically the seven the city of Seven Hills and uh uh basically you know, be struck from uh, with meteors but or you know, objects from the sky basically and and i'm just kind of summarizing that so would that how does that play into it uh, into your metrics to determine the actual identity of the city of seven hills yeah well i don't know
4: about the 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 meteor strikes and stuff hitting it i I don't remember reading that but
2: uh, well i'm not the expert on that Um, no, I, I guess that was more of a, a, a kind of a, an assessment based on uh, things like the Zohar and other predictions and prophecies. Huh. Or pro- it's, so, yeah, it may not be technically accurate, but something is going to happen according to the um, combination of, of uh, prophetic utterances here. But yeah, yeah I'm, okay.
4: I'm still digging into you know the, the, the scriptural references to the city uh, and to the harlot that uh, sits over the city. You know, the uh, uh, in Revelation seventeen five, they talk about her. uh, The city is mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, that's on the forehead of the harlot, writing you know on the on the uh, the the dragon thing there. But um, there are little clues. There are little clues in Daniel and and uh, the Revelation of John and various other uh, Old Testament uh, prophecies about the city and what will happen to it. One of the things that that I'm trying to wrap my mind around is this. Uh, Surely God will judge uh, Babylon, because he says, and God remembered Babylon, and of course, in one hour, the smoke of her destruction torment goes up, you know, Babylon is destroyed in one hour. It's a commercial center. It's a thing, it's a center that buys lots of things so that the merchants of the world who ship precious things over to wherever Babylon, modern Babylon, is or will be, uh, you know, pour ash on her head and weep and moan because they've lost all the business. So that's not going to be Babylon in Iraq unless a lot of major building and moving into occurs. I doubt that. Is Babylon going to be, um, you know, New York City? Well, New York City does import a lot of stuff, and the ships come and go there. Is the modern Babylon going to be where the Antichrist seat is? Now, the good question um, is, um, is Jerusalem uh, possibly a, a modern Babylon? Well, Jerusalem, Israel, they don't consume that much. I mean, they, they're producing and exporting stuff. Rome, okay, the Vatican, sure, okay, at the moment they, they get in a lot of stuff, and they, they deal in precious uh, commodities, you know, gold and ivory and, and silks and things. Um, and money at the, uh, the Vatican Bank. So, okay. Now, in Daniel, it says um, that, uh, let's see, where is it in Daniel? About the destruction of Babylon. Uh, I'll have to come back to that one uh, because there was something in Daniel that uh, made me think ah, uh, um, is it in Daniel? where, where the, the scripture says um, don't go back for your clothes or was it Matthew I think it was you know don't go back for your clothes um, you know uh, when you see the abomination of desolation that was in Daniel that's right uh, the abomination abomination which makes desolate and if you look at the Hebrew of that it's not you know a person it describes a thing uh, when he places the abomination that makes desolation into the temple uh, if you see that happen and you're in Jerusalem, don't go back for your clothing on the roof or whatever. Run, get out of Jerusalem as fast as you can now that it would indicate a, a an impending destruction. so I thought, uh, okay, if we're looking at something that makes desolate and it's going to happen so quickly after that, is it possible that the Antichrist of our age will put a nuclear device in the new temple you know um to punish the various religions or to wipe them out and just destroy Jerusalem where all the major headquarters of the major religions are centered. You know, to get the Dome of the Rock, to get the um, you know the, the rebuilt temple, to get the Baha'i faith, and, you know, all the people that have put their various churches there, you'd wipe them all out if he nuked Jerusalem from within. And um, an atom bomb would do that. So are we then talking about uh, Jerusalem being destroyed in one hour by the fire? Are we talking about the same thing happening maybe to Rome, where the Vatican is, or to New York City? You know, um, that's why I say we have to put all these factors up on our, our plot board to solve the riddle. And uh, it's like jigsaw pieces. They've all got to fit or it's not completed.
3: Um, Stan, yeah. um, the verse you were referring to is in Matthew twenty-four, seventeen. Let him which is on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Pray that your fight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day.
4: Okay, now that was in Matthew. I'd, I'd said Matthew too, but um, there was something that related to that in Daniel. Uh, I guess it's about the placement of the abomination and then Matthew, uh, Jesus was was referring to that Um, because Jesus did appear before he was born. He did appear to Daniel uh, over the river Hebar, I think, when he uh, told him to seal up the book. Um, Okay. Uh, Okay, Daniel 9, 27. Uh, Shall I make it? No, that's not it uh... The abomination makes desolate. Here we go. Daniel eleven thirty one. That's the one I wanted. Um, okay. Let's see what Daniel eleven thirty one has to tell us about this event that Matthew was told by Jesus here. Uh, okay. Now we're talking about the Antichrist in Daniel eleven around thirty thirty one. And he says, "And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place the abomination that makes desolate." Now, um, that's probably what Jesus is talking about. Is it, you know they'll put it into the, the the sanctuary of strength, which we assume would be the new uh, Solomon Temple that will be built in Jerusalem. Um, And these two are connected in Matthew and Daniel on that. Um, Yeah, that's what it was. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Now, uh, Mm. speaking of things falling out of the sky, Doug, uh, did you uh, catch that article? Um, Well, when was it? Uh, About a week ago, I think, with the giant fireball that fell into uh, uh, the Atlantic down near the South Atlantic Anomaly.
3: Yeah, we weren't gonna say anything, but we were testing some new equipment and uh you know, he used gasoline instead of uh <laughs> No, I'm kidding. You know, I don't I don't Eric, Eric warned him yeah, yeah, not to press that button.
2: But uh no. Yeah, uh, we, we did yes. Um but but uh, we have, uh Australia,
3: um, where the video was, if that's the same one I remember. Well, the, the, the mm, no, this wow. is in the
4: South Atlantic, um, closer okay. to, I guess, the southeast coast of uh, mm, South America there somewhere, where the South Atlantic anomaly is in that area. That's where this thing hit. And, um, you know, they didn't make a big deal about it. Um, the uh, NASA reports said, okay, with, they saw it and filmed it from orbit. But the thing exploded when it hit. With a force of 13,000 tons of TNT. And you'd think, wow, that's a lot. And of course it is. It was about like the one that hit Hiroshima in World War II. But that was about only 140th of the uh, uh, Chelnabinsk uh, meteor that exploded here, what, a year or two back over in Russia. So, you know, but still, if 13,000 tons of TNT. Uh, went off over your city. That would hurt a lot. And uh... the fact that this was just a sudden surprise, nobody knew it was coming in, and it it, uh, it didn't hit any city. It hit the ocean. It wasn't big enough to be reported, I guess. But you know, um, when it's coming in at forty or fifty thousand miles an hour, and, uh, uh, and it's only about you know twenty feet in, in diameter, you know, you you tend to not worry about it unless somebody panics on the news or something. But uh, that was that was reasonable. I'd hate for that to hit my neighborhood because it'd be gone.
2: Yeah, that would kind of really screw up your uh, barbecue plans or your you know block party plans. Uh, so, so okay, what about it? I, I, I'm not trying to be uh, glib about this. So we had something fall out of the sky. Do we know what it was? And, and I mean, with any degree of certainty, and, and you know, are, are we into this? Um, you know. Oh. I don't know whether you
4: know you think any reason to think conspiracy or cover-up or anything. It's just that, uh, you know, uh, I guess we've got enough things on our plate, as, as the, the masses, that they're probably not trying to stir us up any further. And this thing exploded um, probably uh, oh, 35, 40 miles above the sea. And it was like the Tunguska the in russia right. in 1910 or 12 whenever it was back then i mean that leveled thousands yeah. of square miles
3: that had to be the same one i just saw uh because there's only one i know about in the last week a meteor that came in very loud and, and kind of uh didn't really blow up but seemed to uh, dissipate over the uh the person who took it was standing on a coast and uh I just watched it yesterday, and they compared it uh, a very loud, um, an alarming uh, asteroid. And, th- and there's an asteroid upcoming too that has a, a lunar distance of point zero zero four four, and I'll get the number for you, Stan, uh, while we're talking about asteroids. But I, uh, go ahead and continue. Yeah,
4: yeah, that was mm-hmm. on the space weather. It's uh, 2013 TX68. Yes, due March the fifth, but that orbit. Uh, you know, that that's the, the, the extremity of its orbit at .044 lunar uh, distance. But, um, you, you know, it, it can swing 9 million miles out, too. I mean, it's, they're still trying to, to
1: um,
4: calculate the orbit accurately. You have to have several reporting several weeks apart to try to get the three-dimensional orbit calculated. You can't just do it from one or two sightings you've got to average the sightings and and narrow it down so if it does come that close uh being about um oh what about thirty meters that'd be about nine ninety to a hundred feet in diameter and uh being a lot bigger than the one that went over the atlantic um yeah it it could be interesting, yeah. Between the Chelyabinsk and the South Atlantic uh, meteor, it would be in that size and toward the smaller size, but still enough to uh, to ruin your day.
1: Yeah.
4: It's not a planet sure. killer, but it's certainly, you know, uh, a local incident that would make somebody pretty unhappy if it hit in a populated area.
2: Well, I'm going to start wearing my bicycle helmet outside now, thanks to this, so. <laughs> All right. On, on so nothing will change. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. You guys, but, you know, uh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, no, you go. Go.
4: Well, did you have you been following the forest grove noise over in Oregon? Uh,
2: no. What What is that?
4: It's uh, uh, a a rather high pitched uh, uh, sound that's coming at odd times during the nights uh, and, and sometimes during the day, and it's driving their, the the pets crazy over there. Um, they reported this, oh, yesterday morning, I think, um, that it occurred, and it's been occurring before that, and they've been interviewing a number of the locals to see what it is. It's kind of a mechanical scream. You know, it's a high-pitched thing. If you, if you listen to it, it's, uh, it, it would get on your nerves, and it would definitely wake you up if it occurred in your neighborhood. Uh, it's not like the moaning sound that they've been talking, of you know, these trumpeting sounds. It's a, a much higher frequency. Uh, and as I say, it's been driving, you know, dogs and cats crazy, which, um, you know, I, I have no explanation for that. It, it's such a, a high-frequency thing. I don't think that I can, you know, fob that off over to volcanic uh, vents, uh, you know, stretching in the Earth's, uh, you know, uh, mantle stretching and causing these rubbing sounds that make the the lower-frequency trumpeting sound. This is much higher. Um, let me just see here. Um, let's see. Can I... Can I do that so you can hear it? Um, let me see right here. Okay, I'm going to try to play this here if I can get it.
2: All right, Eric, put the earmuffs on the studio dog.
4: Uh, come on, come on, boy! My internet today is so sluggish. I, I you know, how you go to click on something, you're there. Bang! It's a come up. It's now like clicking. Oh, I think I'll pour a cup of coffee and wait for it to come up.
3: Stan, Stan, you sound like
2: you're here. <laughs> yeah. We got you need problem. a network guy here. Yeah, yeah. it's a, we've got a, a, a massive network to handle all of the cameras, in, in all of the uh, demands, and and sometimes I mean our, our network is we, we, well we've got three networks actually, and uh, it's amazing. I, it, I wonder, seriously wonder if there's something not dragging the internet itself, but that's just me.
4: Well, you know, maybe it's part of some kind of a hack going on, because I've been noticing this afternoon that it's really, uh, you know, I'll type in a, like when you go to a search engine, you type in a word you want to search for or something, and you go, yep. you know, O, and then <laughs> R, and then E. I mean, this is ridiculous, you know. It, yep. There's something really weird uh, yep. happening, and I'm, I'm trying to get around it to, sh- to let you hear the sound, because it's, a, I mean, it's just a sound, but it's a high-pitched grating on your nerves type thing you know when they say mechanical that's probably probably the best way to, to describe it anyway i'll tr- i'll try to uh, get that up while we're talking about something else because uh, all right
2: yeah all right. And, and i just if i can just um t- take a moment for a little bit of house cleaning we're getting some emails um uh, uh folks folks uh, and uh you, you know we're on camera here with with on live on youtube And some people are saying, well, geez, man, that autofocus, especially last night when I was in a different venue, uh, is really hard to take. Well, just so people understand, all right, uh, to overcome that, it it requires a piece of equipment that that runs about $6,000, okay, just to let you know. Now, we're working on that. I just want to let the people who have emailed us and say, man, you know, can you do something about the autofocus on the cameras? Yeah, we are. Okay, however, it's a $6,000 fix, okay, just as an FYI. So thank you for, you know, letting us know But we're working on that. Sorry about that, Santa I thought I'd do some house cleaning while we're, you know. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, speaking of, of things, uh, uh, Sandy wrote in here about uh, when you were talking about the harlot. Uh, it, it's her contention. She asserts that the harlot is a world empire of false religion The churches who profess to be Christian, yet are involved in not Christian things that will fall quickly. Um, uh, You know, basically describing the harlot. um, Yeah, the mother of harlots. I agree. I I believe it's both the
3: world and the church system, parts of the church system, especially the indifferent ones. All
4: right, listen up. Listen up here.
1: Hold on. Uh, I think I I
3: got
4: it. If any luck, it'll come up here. It's a... Can you hear that?
1: Mm hmm.
4: Yeah. Interesting, hey?
2: <laughs> well, Eric just had a seizure, and I think Joe just wet himself. Okay, so.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think our dogs left town, too. But, uh,. Yeah, so it sounds like somebody, you know, playing a musical instrument—a pipe of some sort. It's very high frequency. But like are, are,
1: are you saying the that sound
3: we, that why is we, an organ that's occurring in from somewhere? And we've heard sounds from around the world. You know, the sounds like metal grinding, the trumpets. The uh, for yeah. years now, these have been ongoing. But,
2: but and, are you saying that, we, we, that no one can find the source of the sound?
3: That's right. That's right. They have no idea.
2: That would really excuse the expression. And you
4: know, uh, Kim, one of your (laughs) listeners that sends me reports on earthquakes and stuff. She's written me, you know, three emails this evening, and one of them was about a 4.5 earthquake that was really quite sharp. um, Didn't you know break any buildings or anything over in um, California? And um, you know, when you couple that with what's happening up the coast in Oregon with this strange sound, you start to wonder if it's all related to some sort of an event in progress as far as the, the uh, tectonic plate bond boundary between, you know, the ocean and, and uh, our West coast. Are we going to see things start to break up and major earthquakes? Um, certainly a 4.5 is not a major one, but it was a very sharp report and it kind of like a vertical one. You know, everybody that experienced it said it was a strong thing, but it didn't do a lot of damage other than, than you know, freak them out a bit. And then you get this, uh, flute sound, uh, you know, so loud that it's driving people nuts. I mean, you can't sleep with something like that going on. You know that. Uh, is this a, a precursor, you know, of, you know, is it like the canary in, in the mine? Are we going to see the earthquakes and breaking up of the West Coast soon?
3: Man. Or the New Madrid? Yeah.
4: Well, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that would I've be noticed. connected indirectly, yeah. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what they come up with. Um, they, uh, You know, in the same article, they went off on a tangent a little bit from the Huffington Post, uh, saying, you know, why does the moon sound hollow, NASA's unexplained files? And I think, you know, that's probably, you know, they're looking at sound and and acoustics and whatever, and I think that the moon does have a hollow core, uh, at least layers of it, uh, just like the Earth does. But in the case of the moon, it's cooled off and it's now it rings like a bell when they thump it to do seismological analysis. Anyway, Hmm. there's a lot of stuff bearing uh, on geophysics that we can learn from the moon and uh, certainly at the moment they they have no answer for what's happening in uh, Oregon.
2: So, let's just keep our eyes peeled on that and trying to figure out it, And it, is there and I, I'm just throwing out questions here because I'm just wondering for example why Oregon and why not Iowa or why not Florida is there something in the Pacific Northwest that would um, I, I mean I, I don't know and, and well, how well and how how wide of a range can people hear that? that that sounds like that would be like a pretty far Reaching.
4: Yeah, I don't know what it would be, but it would probably be in, in the 1 to 2 kilohertz range, something like that, I think. That's well within human hearing, obviously, because you can hear it. But um, yeah. up in that area, um, you've got the Juan de Fuca plate, uh, and that is an area that's under extreme seismic stress. It needs to release about a 9.5 Richter earthquake soon, uh, or sometime soon. And, of course, Oregon coast is, it, it all runs up and down uh, the length of the, of the Juan de Fuca Plate, and if you look at the um, oh, the fault lines that USGS has is, is, uh, plotted offshore in the Juan de Fuca Plate, or the major break of it, and over to the coast uh, of Oregon, it looks like, you know, crazy crosshatch. I mean, there are fault lines running east-west and north-south all through there, uh, and it's like it's fracturing, um, breaking up something like, like when you take a piece of plastic and you bend it to try to break it, you know, like a thin sheet of it, and you see it start to make little micro-fractures in the, in the place where you're bending it until it goes bang and, and snaps. That's the kind of pattern I'm seeing here right now on the east side of the Juan de Fuca border to our tectonic plate, leading right up to the coastline, up to the shores of um, Portland, uh, you know, a uh, uh, from the shore to, you know, from Portland to the west to the shoreline, and from Eugene, um, Oregon as well. <clears throat> you, if you get on the USGS, you know, earthquake map things and, and just uh, have it uh, zoom in California, into California and to Oregon there and look at today's quakes it, and, and turn on the option that says U.S. faults, you'll see what I'm talking about. It, uh, yeah. it's, it's busier than most of California is. It, uh, it's strange. So maybe that's part of it, but again, I have no idea what would make such a high-pitched sound like that in the air, and have no point of origin over these cities.
2: Hmm. Okay. Very interesting. Um. Th- there is th- this from Randy. Um, Randy C um there is some reference to strange sounds uh predicted now of course we're referring to the apocrypha in uh, 2 esdras uh 5 7 through 9 you know this is not from the uh canonized text of, of the bible it's it's from the apocrypha but having That's said right. that, what does it say it says the sea of sodom will cast up fish it will utter sounds in a voice that many don't know, but all will hear its voice. Chasms will open up in many places, and fire will shoot forth frequently. Wild beasts will roam beyond their territory. Women will give birth to monsters. I, you know, Stan, I suspect that would be the, you know, reference of the times. Uh, salt waters will be found in sources of fresh water. Friends everywhere will begin to fight each other. Wow. Yeah, reasons uh, will be hidden, and intelligence will go into hiding. That from uh, the book of uh, Ezra's uh, two, Ezra's five, verses seven through nine, referencing the the uh, sound.
4: Now, is yeah. that uh, that Sea of Sodom? Do we do we think that means the Dead Sea?
2: Good question. Um, I'm not that familiar with the Apoc- um and the the you know I don't know. um Hmm.
4: Well, you know, look—the salt water appearing in freshwater areas—is uh, not a stretch of the imagination. If you look at what it caused the flood, you know, it, it, it described the fountains of the deep being broken up and hot water. It wasn't warm; it was hot water gushing up from the mantle, which was being heated from the interior the heat of the planet, uh, up into the uh, the oceans to swell them. You know, for 110 days—that's what made the majority of the flood. Um, now. We, in documentaries you can see on the uh, satellite and on the direct TV and stuff like that, History Channel and National Geographic, you you would have seen these things yourself, where they have the um, um, smokers, you know, at least 1,100 of them in the northeast Pacific region off the shore of Oregon there, and these are columns that are built up from minerals, from water, hot water, oozing up, you know, rather rapidly from the uh, floor of the ocean, from down deep somewhere down there, and it's salty water, it's about 3.3 times the density of fresh water, it's hot, around 400 degrees Fahrenheit, and, you know, life forms like certain kinds of shrimp and various other, you know, creel-type animals live and function around these hot water vents coming up from inside the Earth, Um, and, you know, maybe those things will become more prevalent uh, whether it be here, whether it be over in the uh, the Dead Sea area of uh, the Jordan, because that's a very, uh, historically, a very active physical region where there's been earthquakes and uplifts and, you know, um, before the flood, it was all connected together in Pangaea in that area, like we were right. connected to it, but then Pangaea broke up. And so if we're going through these changes now, yeah, you can you can expect... You know, salt, salty water, probably hot salty water, to appear in places where it doesn't belong as these these vents open up.
2: All right, we we, we have, we've gotten a mass of emails, including one from Karen R. with with reference to the sound, saying that uh, uh, perhaps, and and we should ask you whether the sound um, could be, and again, five, six, seven people asking the same question. Could it be uh, emanating from or a result of uh, the deep underground bases or tunnels being dug or perhaps an uh, artifact of, of that? Um, I mean, could it be coming from underground uh, via these uh, uh, deep underground mil- um, uh, bases, tunnels?
4: Well, I would think that uh, if it were due to drilling, that it would probably be a lower frequency because of the size, mm-hmm. the mass of the the cutting heads. But, again... I'm thinking old technology, I know that they've got much better nuclear powered uh, you know tunnel drillers now, which would be quieter um, and, and you know what i that might be uh, an interesting side of this because if you had super hot you know um, melting type machinery trying to drill tunnels and it hit um a pocket of water, it would be like a steam kettle almost. You would get that kind of a high frequency vibration from uh, that that process. So maybe whether it be man made or whether it be something else down there, it's it's like a a tea kettle on on the boil, making that whistle sound. Now that's that's a possibility, but that well, would mean that's that would be in the air. You know, I don't think you're going to be underground in here. It's that kind of a frequency. I think it's transmitted better in air.
3: What about, um, Hmm. you know, with CERN going, with HARP and these other systems of manipulation of our ionosphere, atmosphere, magnetosphere, um, you know, the ability to, uh, we'll say, project or bring something in and out, uh, or even a black hole, uh, something like along those lines. Um, Is that out of the realm of possibilities uh, of these... um, uh, matter manipulating machines, uh, of what they're able to do, and maybe a side effect of that.
4: Well, I just don't have enough information to to answer that intelligently. I I, I know that the CERN is playing with a lot of very high energy particles, but only small amounts of them. Um, I I could say that the magnetic fields necessary to accelerate those little tiny particles to those. Huge velocities are probably more concerned than the actual particles, uh, to me at any rate. I, I know that there are a number of very qualified uh, physicists who have said that you know they're on both sides of the argument that the CERN at uh, these super dense uh, impacts, you know, super heavy lead ions and things like that, could possibly open up or form a a micro uh, black hole, and you know that there was a danger if that happened. Other physicists on the other side of the fence say, well, yeah, but if it does form a micro black hole, uh, you know, by mathematics and, uh, you know, the information they've had from further, uh, past tests, that it would not, uh, last very long. It would list, it would last for maybe, uh, a millionth of a second, and the black hole would then dissolve, which is an interesting way for them to view it because the bigger black holes that, you know, sit in the middle of galaxies do not seem to. You know, form and then disappear in a millions of a second. Uh, so I guess the bigger the scale, the longer the time they endure. But I, I just can't, I can't think that CERN's activities would be affecting uh, something on a planet-wide scale. That like we're hearing for these trumpeting sounds and from these high-frequency shrill things. That's more of something local in Oregon and it's local vented into the atmosphere because of that high frequency sound that high frequency would probably be absorbed by the dirt and rocks if it were down under underground it's true. it's something yeah. venting into the open atmosphere to carry that high frequency
2: Gotcha. Uh, uh, all right if we can kind of uh switch the topic here momentarily uh we had an uh, uh we have a question from a listener it came in right at the beginning of the program this from Frank and uh, wants to know, and this is an interesting question, I think. You know, we have the North Korean satellite circling over the United States that most everyone knows about. Now, sometime between the 5th and 8th of March, um, this, uh, Frank writes, I hear we have a huge meteorite passing within our satellite bands. That's just what which stands is, out the Right, correct. Now, what would be the telltale signs that they detonated, let's say, a nuke, but blamed it on the meteorite to cause a massive uh, takedown of the grid? Is that possible? Could that happen? I mean, I guess anything's possible. And and what in the world are we doing with the with the North Korean satellite? You know, um, uh, popping up above the uh, you know, m- making passes over the U.S. But I mean, that that's kind of an interesting question, I suppose, and has many. Uh, it has
4: many kind of rabbit holes attached to it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
4: you know, the the North Koreans, uh, they're getting help here and there in their technology, but when they've not placed a stationary orbit over us. So it passes over the United States for, you know, 15, 20 minutes uh, every pass. Uh, there are some 15,000 other satellites that float around up here over. Uh, some are active transmitters and some are just dead. So... um At this point, uh, if it were a threat and if the American military were allowed to defend us, I'm sure that they could take that satellite out and have already imaged it uh, from various uh, others of our satellites, like in the Milstar uh, satellite constellation, various other things like that. So I'm not too concerned about that. And the the technical expertise of the North Koreans, I do not think at this point, is such that they could... uh, Interact with an incoming uh, meteor uh, or asteroid, or a small asteroid, whatever that, that thing is coming in March. Uh, to, to be fair, I mean, you're rational about it. Even if they had an atom bomb on board that little tiny satellite they put up, it would, it would do nothing to um, deflect a, uh, a meteor that size traveling at 50,000 miles an hour with that much mass. Um, if anything, it might uh, warm it a bit or maybe knock off a couple of chunks to sp- you know, split it out, spread it out a bit, but they couldn't even match its orbit and uh, detonate it with the technological level that they're at in North Korea. There's just no way. Gotcha. Now, the Chinese were helping them possibly, but uh, I, I just, I'm not worried about that either.
2: No. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Hmm.
4: Hey, did you guys watch Good Morning America today?
1: <laughs>
2: no, I was we I was watching uh Give it to Beaver rerun uh, this morning <laughs> at that time. I d I can't cut into that time, Stan. What was on Good Morning America? What was what was that about?
4: They've got one of their uh intrepid girl reporters over in the Garden of Eden in Tanzania in the Ingural oh. Crater filming
2: live. Somebody yeah, somebody had sent me an email but you know, now that you mentioned that, I didn't realize it was Good Morning America. I I, th- I thought it was Okay. So uh, why didn't they ask you to come over with them, or why didn't you?
4: I don't know. I, I, I emailed them when they said that they were going to uh, send her over and do that, and gave them all the links and explanations for it, because they were really hitting the fact that it was like Austra- uh, Australia, Africa's Garden of Eden. And I was trying to explain to them, of course, as I've done on the show and many other places, that that is the real Garden of Eden, and uh, they should... Uh, you know, pay tribute to that uh in their documentary over there. But uh, I I don't I think they might be doing some more tomorrow. Uh, but uh yeah. I, I'm just trying to see where I put that uh information i uh, uh let I see no I don't remember where I put it now. I think it's over in the press releases here. Uh give me just one second. Um Come on, come on! Uh, news releases. Uh, oh gosh, do you think I can find? It? I'm probably looking right at it. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I store these uh, stories here to uh, you know anything
2: relating to the Angoro uh, situation. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I just want to mention, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen this, the uh, DVD lecture on uh, regarding Eden, did he? The Garden of Eden. Um, go to standale dot com. It's well worth the time spent to watch it, and of course you can get it via DVD. Um, I highly recommend it. It's 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 interesting, fabulous, really yeah, is. I mean, you know,
3: it gives a whole new perspective on Bible prophecy, and the, we know that the Garden of Eden is still out there somewhere. As the Lord said, it's protected by cher- uh, cherubs um, on either side with, with flaming swords, and it would be forever until uh, the new earth and heaven are brought. Yeah,
2: it's out there. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a good it's a good product, folks. Um, Garden of Eden luxury series. Uh,
4: I have an interesting take on those swords of fire. You know, the flaming sword, but. And as I said in the documentary, uh, in the ancient Hebrew, it was um, a sparkling, fiery, spinning heat, uh, like you would see coming out of the top of a volcano to the east of the Garden of Eden, as it said. And of course, there is one such volcano, Mount Kilimanjaro, which has three large volcanoes. In the ancient days, they named that whole triad of volcanoes.
2: Estimation. If you saw, if you saw the the, uh, the footage there from Good Morning America, how, how true were they, or accurate, with respect to your um, your expose, your your lecture, your your uh
4: well, they they are really more going into it for the animals and for the conservation of the wildlife in Africa. So that's the the tack they're taking. It's not so much that oh look, we're in the Garden of Eden. It uh, that's just kind Go of ahead. a issue for the main documentary, but okay. anyway, it was it was fun, and uh, I, I think they may she may be another day there. Um, uh, I forget the lady's name, uh, blonde-haired uh, reporter for them. Uh but uh, Amy, something or I think uh, Amy. Oh, I
2: think it starts with a B. Well, anyway. it, it's interesting nonetheless that there's attention being paid there. Yeah, reg- yeah. regardless of the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
4: GMA on Safari. It's called "Good Morning America on Safari." Five must-see moments from inside Africa's Garden of Eden. Uh, and that was posted about oh, what is this? Uh, about eleven o'clock today, Mountain Standard Time. So it's probably still up on their their site there on Yahoo dot com. We'll
3: have to we'll check, check that know. out. In the closing minutes, Dan, a quick question on the Middle East. Do you, uh, and I know we talk about this a lot and and things change, the situation changes so much and and drastically over a period of weeks and months. Do you see the possibility for a preemptive uh, nuclear strike against Iran from Israel, the way things are going?
4: Well, I guess, yeah, I'm still in that position. I think I've been holding my breath for about the last two or three years. you know, it just seemed like every tick of the clock it was gonna, they were going to make the, the strike. But with so many countries in that theater over there in Syria, uh, including Iran, of course, and Russia, and uh, Turkey's pushing on it, and uh, the United States, I mean, with so many people in that little area fighting, it's just hard to know who's up who. And, you know, I suppose whether Israel does or not, an accident could happen, and the Iranians could get hit in their nuclear facilities. <laughs> or mm-hmm. Damascus could go in Syria as well. The whole the whole concentration of forces that are active over there are in Syria, and if you just drive down the highway, just to, you know, an hour, hour and a half, you know, south of, of uh, Damascus, maybe a couple hours, uh, you're into the Glen Heights, and it, that's part of Israel's occupied area where they've got their oil fields in the Afik oil field. Um, strategically. They have to keep all those people there out of the Glen Heights, which means that in their situation, they may have to make a preemptive strike.
1: Okay. Hmm.
4: Oh, oh, by the way, over oh. on Goomartic uh, America, the, 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 the reporter's name is Amy Robach, and uh, she was doing this thing live from the crater, and they say, which some call Africa's Garden of
3: Eden. Of course, I'm African one of them, <laughs> oh. All right. Anyway. Wow. So then we have War made it through behind. the yeah end of the hour
2: already. Yeah. Can you believe that?
4: Yeah. yes. Yeah. Tempest. Oh, yeah. Fly, time flies. Yes.
2: That <laughs> <laughs> way, is a Tempest fusion, right? Uh, uh, yeah. That's the way you say it. Yes. All right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing what you can remember from... Uh, Anyway, well, well, God bless you, my friend. Uh, you know, Thank you so much for your time every Tuesday night. It's such a pleasure to have you. There's so many topics that we talk about, cover, and the, you have uh, earned so much respect from our listeners. And
3: You and Holly will continue yeah. to be in our prayers, and we ask our listeners to uh, yeah. do the same. Indeed.
4: Thank you, guys. Thank you. Right. Appreciate it. Thank oh, you, week. Okay, Lord bless you now. Lord right. bless
3: you, too. hope you feel better. Yeah. All
4: right. Thank you. Bye.
2: And on behalf of Joe, myself, and J.D. in Florida, um, Rhonda in the Northeast, uh, Joe Charles behind enemy lines in mid-America, uh, Lady the Studio Dog, Eric. The invisible Tech. friend next to me. That's right. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. Saddle for battle. We have left the building. Have a good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network. <laughs>